Where's it going? The room is now locked. We are live. Evil Squid Comics Podcast, episode 22, season 2. 22. 2 2 2 2. No, just 2 2 2. <laughs> season 2 22. We should have done this on Triple oh, yeah. Two. We should have done this on Twitter. In 2020. In 2022. Yes. So it's 22 20. Season, season 2, episode two, 22 in 2020. 202 years from if now, only this it was episode February. would have been perfect. Yes, I guess. I don't think this episode will ever be perfect. But, you know, that's just me. Well, number-wise, it would. All right. So, anyway, I'm Drew. I'm Don. I'm Scott. And we get together every couple weeks, and we talk about comic books, TV shows, movies, anything geeky, or even stuff that's not geeky. Sometimes we talk about really important things. Really serious, important things. Yeah, it's not geeky matter. at all. Things that matter. Never. Sometimes. I'm sure. Maybe once. Sometimes we talk about the coronavirus. That's important. Is it? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, Biden's going to fix all of it. Right. Yes. That's why they elected him. So Scott, you know how like when you're at work, and maybe you never did this because you were always like a manager or you're a liaison or something. But those of us who sit in front of a computer all day will sometimes play like music and stuff like in our headphones, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do your engineers do that? Oh yeah, all the time. Okay. Heck, half the time, most of them, there's probably half of them that like watch TV shows and crap at their Yeah, that's what I was going. So now that I'm working from home. I can like have my setup and I can just like have like movies playing in the background. Oh yeah. I could have told you that so, one. I was doing that so, one for, for about the first couple months. And then yeah, that so, <laughs> yeah, it hasn't got old yet, but I'm playing like old, like crappy eighties movies that used to be good, but aren't good anymore. So I, I ran through yeah, like I did that too. Five. I played star Wars. <laughs> no, no, I didn't play star Wars. No, I played crappy ones. Star Wars, <laughs> empire, return of the Jedi. I watched all three of those. You're like, uh, you're like an artist now. I know. I'm just having stuff run in the background. Yeah. Yeah, like background noise. Now you have to get the new Xbox, the new PS5. Yeah. And have all that set up because those guys all play the video game systems. Yeah, when they're supposed to be drawing. And and watch TV and listen to music. So, 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 you so have, go ahead. So you have to get a, you got to get a record player now and start buying vinyl. Oh, I got a record player? Right. Or you could do like Matt Allison and just have like an old, you could buy like a Zune or whatever. Yeah, he's always playing something on that weird thing. Yeah. So these are the movies I've I've streamed so far. Short Circuit. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Anybody watch that one? I've never Back, seen it. Never saw that? I can't say I've ever actually watched that. Transylvania 65,000. Mm-hmm. Remember that oh, one? Oh my gosh. I, I love do. that one. I look most of these I remember the names, but yeah, uh, I exactly. that's, no, I that's why that I, do. I remember well. the name. I remember I, watching it, but I rewatched that Saturday the fourteenth. I know. I I need to I'll get to that one. But I wrote well, yeah. it to the ninja. That, oh nice. Did Saturday the fourteenth hold up very well? I've got no, a feeling no, not at all. The best part about that movie is it's like seventy minutes long. It's like the shortest live action movie I've ever seen in my life. A lot of these movies are pretty short, I've noticed. Like they I don't know when movies started getting so long, but it was not the eighties. <laughs> no, it was probably somewhere around the nineties there. Because that's when uh wasn't John Cameron Blue started, started making action movie. Well, it, I it's think probably, James Cameron's started doing his stuff. Because when did uh, uh, the, 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 the wasn't didn't aliens come out sort 
toward the end of the 80s maybe or maybe that was mid but i don't know i know it's, abyss was really long abyss was, all these things and yeah, once titanic was true. a success there in those early 90s everything felt like they probably had to get longer so that could be i watched fire and ice in honor of dawn yeah that yeah, was fire horrible but, the animation's really the story's just kind of boring. Which one is Fire and Ice? That's the... I mean, it's where there's an ice dude in a fire kingdom, and they're fighting, and they're, the chick is running around half naked. Half naked, and, right. Yeah. That and, movie's terrible. Yeah. The animation's cool. The animation's cool. Yeah, and yeah. I really wanted to like the movie, but the, it's there's nothing it, there's nothing to it. They run through a jungle the entire movie. Yeah, she keeps getting captured, and they have to rescue her. Right. No, the animation's cool, but... yeah. There's no substance. And, and then, you know uh, that, um, go ahead. Uh, what's his face? Ralph um, Bakshi? Right, but the dudes that wrote the screenplay. Okay. Um, it's uh, Roy Thomas. Oh, Jerry Conway? And Jerry Conway. Sure. Yeah, those two did that. Cool. And then I watched wow. Alien Nation. <clears throat> the movie or the TV show? The movie. And TV shows for losers. Yeah, I don't think I've seen either. Oh, okay. I think I totally missed the boat on it. So you did watch Saturday the 14th? No, but I started streaming oh. it a while back, and I got to like 10 minutes in. Yeah. It's horrible. It is horrible. I will I, eventually stream it. I did sit through it, but it was hard. Yeah. Like, I just wanted to get through it to make sure that it wasn't as bad as it started. But like, it was. Because I remembered it being really good. Yeah. You would be interesting is to go back and watch Harry and the Hendersons. That's not that bad. It's not? No, it holds up all right. Okay. I watched it with my kids when they were younger, and they it, it was okay. Did they make a sequel? Because it's got like, no, they didn't make a sequel. It's got like John Lithgow, and he does a good job. And I mean, it's the makeup's kind of cheesy, but it's not bad. Right. It's kind of like E.T., but, you know, a little more. Not as serious. Not as serious. But it's still kind of serious. serious. It does. Harry and Henderson gets a little serious. I mean, it's heartwarming. I think you... I remember that movie. I've seen it maybe once, but it seems like in my mind, you watched it all the time. No, I watched it that often. I watched it a few times. Mm -hmm. And I had the book. Like, I had the novelization of the book that came out before I saw the movie, and I remember reading the book. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Either. It doesn't matter. We're, we're talking about Harry and the Hendersons right now. I know Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> but anyway, there's a cool app on my phone. Go that... back and watch Popeye. Oh, I want to. Mm. That's, yeah. <laughs> but there's an app on my I phone see. that's called like, that you can you can put in all the streaming services you have and you can put in like parameters like 1980 to 1989, like all 80s movies and just sort them by like popularity and just like list them all. That you can watch on That you can watch apps. on the yeah, so you say which apps oh, nice. you have, and then it filters for the ones that you have and shows nice. what's available. So, like, I have Hulu, Netflix, Disney, Amazon Prime. You know what I mean? So you mm -hmm. put all those in there rather than have to search through each app mm -hmm. individually. It's kind of nice. The Roku? What I've noticed of... is all the crappy uh, 80s movies are on Prime, pretty much. Yeah. Um, oh, you, you know what you should really watch? No. I bet it's on my list, I bet. I made Q. a list. I don't think that's available on any of them. I watched it on Prime like a year ago. I don't think it's there anymore. Oh my god! Yeah, but that's they, probably pretty bad. It is really bad. I started watching a Silverado today. It's not bad. I've ever even watched. It's a pretty that. solid rest western. Is it? I yeah. Can't say you never saw it. Silverado? No. You should watch Quicksilver. Isn't that the one where Jason Bacon or Bacon? I didn't see that on there. Bacon rides around on a 
Yeah, bicycle. I don't know, guys. He's a bicycle messenger after he lost all his money in Wall Street. Kevin Bacon. But but then he meets that guy who's down on his luck and he takes his money and tries to turn it into a bunch of money for him at Wall Street. Because mm. he's that, a clown. That makes sense. But he has to has to conquer his own demons because he lost everything. It's yeah. very uh, dramatic. It wouldn't be an 80s movie if that wasn't part of it, you know? Conquering I one's own demons. Started, I started watching It Chapter 2. Oh, I haven't seen that. I'm about halfway through it. Cool. I've seen that one. It's not as good as Chapter 1, but part of it is because of the fact that the even in the book, the parts with the kids were better than the parts with the adults. I, so, I think the creep factor is a little bit heavier in part two, at least from the parts I've seen anyway. Because number one didn't yeah. really do anything for me. Not like uh, I was scared, but it was creepy. That is like, true. That is true. More of part one, with the exception of the first opening five minutes of part one, that's probably the creepiest part of, of both movies, honestly. Uh, but the rest of part one was really just like a extended Stranger Things type of thing. You know, it was almost, you know, a tween horror type of type of thing. Could it be that opening and, scene? That opening scene where they they beat up that dude and throw him over the bridge. That was pretty brutal. That wasn't yeah, like yeah. creepy, but that was like intense. Like that was almost hard to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I would agree. Then, I would agree. The when when the girl goes back to her house her kid house and the ladies there the lady yeah that's creepy as hell and then yeah i don't know it wasn't creepy but it was freaky when they're at the chinese restaurant and the little yeah i don't know it just seemed like crawls out of the fortune cookie or whatever i don't know it just seems like the part two was was long and i know i think it's like almost three hours yeah and that's i think that was part of what took me away on that one was i don't know i mean if i'm going to watch something that's in that scary horror type of vein i don't want it to be real long you know type of thing i want it to be a little bit more condensed we watched we watched the the two latest tremor movies oh like five and six seven six and seven the one where they're in the arctic you're into those Trimmer movies. Yeah. They, they went downhill after the first one. The one where they're in the Arctic, and then the very last one that they just made is like Trimmer Island. They're like on an island or something. Oh, wow. Um, this dude, this How's one guy's like a billionaire big game hunter kind of guy, and he like genetically built, made them, and then put them on like his own private island, and then flew guys in to like hunt them down. Oh, wow. And spoiler alert. I know you don't care, mm. but for everybody listening, anybody listening. Is this a spoiler for the Tremors movie? Yes. Oh, yeah. You don't need to say spoiler alert. Uh, but uh, they finally killed off uh, Gummer. The, the, Is that Fred Ward? No. He hasn't been in one since like the first or second one. one. Okay. The, the, there's really? people left. Huh. The rifle, the, the guy the that from has Family all the ties? ties. Yeah, that guy. Family Ties. He's been in all of them. He has. He That's has. what he did after Family Ties. He made yes. Tremors movies. He made Tremors movies. That explains where <laughs> he's been. <laughs> I haven't been watching them. And they finally killed him in the, wow. isle, the island the, shrinker. They, who are they going to get for eight? I don't know. They got nothing left. Well, they brought they in. They got nothing to tie it together. You know who they brought in? They brought in Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, okay. Bill, is it Bill Hedder? 
Yeah, or Joe Hitter. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah, That's what anyway, I'm saying. The Hitter guy. Just, it's it's a Napoleon Dynamite guy. He's in the he's in the last we'll one. Get fixated. All you got to say is Napoleon Dynamite guy, and everybody knows who you're talking about. I don't know if anybody knows his real name. But dude, it took I me think like it's John Hitter. We were like, yeah, I think right, you're John. right. I think it's John. Yeah. We were like ten minutes into the movie, and I looked up, and I'm like, "That's Napoleon I've Dynamite." And Barbara's <laughs> like, "Barbara's like, I don't even know who that is." And I'm like, "The movie Napoleon Dynamite." She's like, "Yeah, I've never seen that." And I'm like, "Okay, well, that's the dude that plays Napoleon." Because actually, I went, "It's Napoleon." She's like, "What's Napoleon?" She's never <laughs> seen Napoleon Dynamite. What? Dude, she, did she sleep through that year? She is not big on any of those movies. Like, she can't. She doesn't like Super Troopers. She hates Jim Carrey. So, no Jim Carrey movies. Yeah, I mean like, that's okay. Some people don't like Jim Carrey, but like Napoleon Dynamite was a whole like for a year that it was like the hit like cult movie yeah, and everybody was I, into it. She's did she sleep through that year? I, she didn't sleep. I don't think she slept through it, but. If it's not on her radar, she doesn't care. Like it could be, it could be freaking Star Wars, and everybody's like, "This is the greatest movie ever." And if it has no interest in her, she won't watch it. She just won't, will refuse to watch it. All right, that's fine. I mean, I don't think people should watch crap they don't want to watch. Right, I mean that's true. Um, so speaking of trimmers, I was talking to a guy at work before I got uh, sent home from work, and he's been watching The Mandalorian and has not been impressed. Yes, I did wear a mask. <laughs> and he was complaining about the Mandalorian that every episode seems like it's like about it's like based on something else. Like the first one is kind of like Tremors, like it's a giant worm underground. I read this article. Dude, man, oh, dude. And the second one Come was on. like spiders, kind of like Harry Potter, you know, spiders I, chasing him. But I, I can't remember what he said the third one was. Jaws, maybe? I don't know. And I was like, you know, it does seem like each episode kind of is like inspired by something else. Hmm. I don't know. Well, it's interesting. Well, a guy that I a guy that I work with was like, he's really up on the Mandalorian, and he was like, dude, it's great. It's like a it's like a mini movie every every week. week. Yeah, he's like, they should just stop making movies and just make like two or three TV series. Okay, yeah, I if think they have the right people run them, I think they could do it. The, the thing that, is that I just always feel like the Mandalorian is like somebody actually has a big budget to play with all these toys that we had freaking 30 years ago. You know, ooh, what if we, you know, suddenly had Bosk show up in the cantina, you know, with IG-88 looking for, you know, who knows who, you know, and I, have to go out and do a bounty. Oh, wow. You know, now they get to put it on live action TV. I, do you remember, Scott, like, probably before Disney bought Star Wars, they had been talking that George Lucas was developing, like, a live-action TV series that yeah. he was going to release. I wonder yeah. if that kind of became the Mandalorian on some level. Because he talked I about it. I think so, happening. because he always was going to have either, like, Boba Fett or Mandalorian-type people, it sounded like, in it. At least all I, the, like, kind of the storyboards and things I had seen of that. It looked like it was some Mandalorian-type people. And at the time, still, I was like, they could never. I, at the time, I was like, they could never do Star Wars as a TV series because they would never spend the money to make it, spend the budget to make it good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you have to have some and level. They of are now. Disney's got but the they money are. to do it, and they're throwing at it. But that was before streaming. But that's the thing. Came. You actually have, if you watch that gallery, you know, type thing. Uh, George Lucas is there on the set of The Mandalorian, so they're using him as a, like a consultant or something like that you know for what they're doing so i wouldn't be surprised if some of this stuff is influenced from 
you know, things that he had drawn out or outlines that he had, you know, in different ways. Although I have noticed that almost every episode this season so far seems to be written by uh, John Favreau. Yeah. This is what I wanted the next three movies to be. The Mandalorian? Different. Something different. When uh, you're going to different worlds different. and you're doing something different. Yeah. This is the same, but it's different. Like, well, they've been going to Tatooine. Well, well, I know there's, they've there's spent hardly, a lot of time in Tatooine. But you it's, know, there's no Jedi. Different story. Right. right. Well, there's and it's, there it's, are there's supposed to be now because he's like there there is him. now, but overall, you know, Jedi and the Force are not a big part of this. I mean, right. maybe it's getting there a little bit, but it's still it's it's taking that universe in some portion of it and throwing exactly. it into a different avenue in almost in a different stylistic vein, you know, of things. What yeah, I find interesting kind of is what, kind of that. Oh, go ahead. That's kind of what Rogue One, the solo movie, did, and solo movie was not successful for them, obviously. So, well, solo wasn't successful, but it wasn't necessarily a bad movie, though, either. I, yeah, it wasn't. I honestly kind of liked Solo better than Rise of Skywalker. So, yeah, no, it was. I thought it was a fun kind of heist space movie. It just, you know, the biggest problem that Solo had was the fact that you could almost tell, like they. It had to change directions late. It, it's weird, but just something about the bad guy in Solo seemed like it was almost an afterthought. Like, oh shit, we got to do something here, and we got let's just throw this guy in, you know, and stuff, and make him some baddie, you know. But he really doesn't have much of a a real role, so it's kind of like, yeah, you feel a little out of place in some weird way. But other than that, I thought Solo, uh, the first half of Solo was really pretty good and stuff. Yeah, I agree. Um. We watched that movie. It's a. Uh, it's got the. What's the? It's the. It's. The deep. It's got. Um, did you take notes, dude? Because you're having trouble. No. What's we the, watched the movie. That's. Uh, right. da, da, I did. What's the. What's the name of the lady that played in Twilight? Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. And they they're underwater, in a oil rig. Charlie's Angels. No, this just no. it said 2020 on. I'm it. kidding. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and it's like a, a deep sea monster movie or yeah. whatever. Okay, and it's the got T.J. Miller in it. Reminded me of that uh, comic that you let me borrow, where Plunge. the first Plunge. was that what the where the like the first uh, half takes place. Oh on that... no, Department H. Yep. Uh, was it Matt? Maybe is that sounds well. Was it Matt Kitt? It didn't. I don't think it was his art, but it was the one in which there was like a weird giant sea creature, and then all of a sudden the whole story then takes a left turn and jumps like freaking five hundred years in the future, and wake? you realize uh, wake. the wake. Yeah, yeah. Have you so seen every, that movie? Have you seen? The I have movie not I'm seen that movie. Do you know what I'm I know what about? you're talking about. I've seen the trailer, and the trailer always reminded me of Wake in a way because it was all these people on this underground rig you know, type things, and then a creature seems like it's coming out there to kill them. But I haven't seen the movie. All I've seen is the trailer. I can't remember the name of it. It was all right. I mean, it wasn't. But You it did just, see it, though? I, yeah, we watched it. Cool. We were running out of stuff to watch on, like, whatever, was and it? I haven't. Huh? What, what uh, was it on, like, Amazon Prime or something, or you just yeah, it was on it? HBO. Ah, the good old <laughs> HBO. I'm going to have to get that one of these years, I think. 
It's okay. I, the pain in the ass is that I have it, but I have you know, it. No, I think bone. it's called. I think it's called underwater. That's it. That's it. But the pain in the ass is that that. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Um, we have a Roku, but HBO that new HBO Max is not supported by Roku. Yeah, that is. A little so. I have to watch it through my phone. So I actually have to plug my phone oh, really? into my TV they to watch it, HBO. I they said it was moving to a few more devices, like there, but not Roku. Yeah. Maybe it was going to Amazon. It's not on Amazon Fire Stick either, I don't think. So really? I, I don't really I don't not, understand why these services are launching and then not being on the streaming devices. Yeah, yeah. It's like, dude, yeah, you're going to fail. Oh, you got to talk to my son about this. He gets really mad because he feels like technology is starting to be stagnant because all these services are just throwing out crappy interfaces and whatever else for streaming and all their tr the only way they're trying to make money and whatever the heck else is by throwing out more crap to stream and not really putting any money and investing on how to change the technology or make it more efficient or interfaces better any of this type of things i agree dude son is a smart guy yeah do either yeah, of you guys yeah. know, I think, I thought I read online or something that now they're going to release Wonder Woman directly onto HBO. Yep, you will be Christmas able to watch this day. Yep. It's going to be on HBO. Tell us how it is. HBO You're going to have to like, give I'll me your password so I can stream it. How much? And they're going to release it in the theaters too. How much did they, yeah, you think, did they, did they say, how much did HBO have to pay to get that? Because HBO owns it. Well, oh, HBO now Warner somehow Brothers. has some deal with AT Warner Brothers in DC. That's why they're doing the Zack Snyder, you know, Justice League. That's why all the DC shits on eighteen on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that they have some type of deal going on there, and I'm well, sure this just got to be thrown as part of the deal. They're the same company, know, especially with. Well, oh, is Warner Brothers? Yeah, I guess that is. Yeah, so it's the same company there. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, they're just. Yeah, so they're just trying to capitalize on the same thing that Disney Plus is doing with. You know, gotcha. all these other type stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, Disney HBO. Plus is dropping the next Pixar movie on Christmas Day yeah, as well. So they're just Soul. dropping it on Disney Plus. Yeah. So they're just all trying to figure out what they can do with their streaming services to still, because they're finding that they can still pull people in and charge a subscription service. And if they can get them to right, stick I around. I'll probably sign up for HBO Max to watch Wonder Woman. If I keep it for a month, I'll keep it for a month. I know. I, I very well might, too. I haven't seen because Joker there's other stuff on Batman. HBO Max that I think I want to watch anyway. That's what Does I'm saying, HBO dude. Max have, like, the wire on it? It's HBO. They got yeah, I know. I would hope so. It's not on Prime, though. Is it not on Prime? No, anymore? you can't. It, 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 I think because HBO Max came out and stuff, I think that stuff fell away from Prime. Oh, that stuff from Prime? It's not that on there anymore. I was going to yeah. watch Sopranos at one time. Um, but, yeah, I was yeah. really disappointed because I, I really wanted to watch that, but I don't know. I'm, I, I don't I'm know what. I'm late to the party on that type of stuff. I don't know what would be on HBO. Like, if you had it on your TV, like, if you bought it through cable or whatever, like. Raised by wolves. Sit <laughs> Because <laughs> I I have it on there and I'm searching and like I started watching it through there. I watched it. There's that 
Invisible Man movie. I'm sort of interested What's in. What's that one about like the rich family or something? Secession or something like that? Billions? No, the one with like Brian Cox or something. Oh, I don't know. My, my brother always cult? talks about it. Oh, the cult? That's on Prime though. Oh, it's on. No, that's on HBO. No. About the cult that the it's... chick from Smallville was in. Oh, really? Is there about Handmaid's too? No, I'm talking Absolutely. about um, talking about the documentary. Oh, it's a documentary. No, I'm talking about it was on. I believe it was on Amazon, but it was. Uh, um, it had yeah, had the succession dude from, is on on there, and it's got like Brian Cox or whatever. My brother's always telling me that that's like the, one of the best series on HBO, one of the best series right now. Dude from um, Breaking Bad, the kid. Is that the what you're talking about? It's it's like it's like uh, what's what's the thing that uh, the vow? That's what I'm talking about. The vow. The vow on HBO. It's a documentary. One season. Oh no, I don't know about that. Right. I thought you were talking wow. about that. It's you it's should watch Chernobyl. Yeah, Chernobyl. Did you watch that? Mm-mm. Did you watch? That was, uh, you should really watch uh, that. Chernobyl was great. No. You watch Westworld? No. The whole it's a pain in the ass, dude. Because I have to watch it through my phone. Just get us. That is probably It's on some devices. You just need to get a device that has it. Get yourself an Apple TV, and then you can stream it to your TV. I really like the Roku, though. I'm kind of invested in the Roku. Yeah, I understand. I have two Rokus and a Roku TV. So I don't uh, want to. I have a Roku TV Apple and now. a Roku. Can I run Apple TV and a Roku? Yeah, you just have to have yes. another HDMI cord. Yeah, it's just another input. Just much, another input. Just much as a friggin' Apple TV. They're not cheap. I that's not really your best bet to go. I don't think. Probably not. My Vizio I television think... though will AirPlay my Apple as well. So you could get a Vizio TV. Just go get a new TV. There you go. Is it not on your smart TV? What smart TV? Uh, do you have a smart TV? I think you have a Roku TV. He says he's got a Roku one. Yeah. I don't know. Dude, that's cool, dude. I don't know. I, it is annoying that HBO Max is not on as many devices te- as it should be. Technology has passed me by. It's going to get there. I just found out about Roku. Like, yeah. Technology has done passed me by a long time ago. I thought, why do I need a Roku? <laughs> and then I got one, and I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. Because yeah, it's on uh, Amazon Fire TV. Sticks. Damn it, I should have went with HBO Maxis. That's what it says. And Samsung TVs have it. Do PlayStation, you don't have a PlayStation hooked up to your thing? Ah, PlayStation might be able to download it. Yeah. Yeah, PlayStation 4 has it. Watch some stuff as well. I'm not still busy. Yeah, because I could always download it to the PlayStation. PlayStation usually has most of the apps. The Vizio television actually keeps up with that pretty well. Uh, I think I got HBO Max. Uh, Yeah, my Vizio one. It's got other issues. It's not the greatest television, but for whatever reason, their apps always seem to be up to date pretty well. It got Disney Plus, and I think it's got HBO Max. My Samsung does, but my Vizio does not have all that stuff for some reason. It's an older one. I don't think my Vizio has smart TV. Yeah, my Vizio has it, but it's, for whatever, I mean, it downloads, you know, of course, and updates all the time so that's why it gets those updates for those apps but then it got one of those damn updates and now you can't you can't turn off the television because of the update 
on uh, the actual smart cast where you can select all those apps. You have to like go to like, a, I have to always go to like my television input to turn it off. <laughs> so you gave me, is it voice controlled? I think I have a ghost in my house then. <laughs> you probably do. Really? We've That's the that funny thing. Guys. My Vizio is. I can tell Amazon. I can tell uh, my Amazon little dot thing to turn on my television, and it will. Because I've come home twice, <laughs> and that TV is on, and there's been nobody home. Well, ghosts don't well, have. I any... assume the the clown that lives in the sewers probably turned it on for you. Um, Pennywise. Right. Yep. Um, should we talk about? Some comics? I would love to talk about some comics. I read, so, I read a lot of comics. Cool. Well, instead of talking about comics, what I will talk about is I watched the Marvel 616 uh, documentary. Series. I didn't ask you. Have you watched that? I don't know what you're talking about. On Disney? Yeah. There, on there's Disney a Marvel. Course. I'm not watching documentaries on Disney. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it. This is about comic, Marvel this comics. Is like I almost care. all I do anymore is watch documentaries. I don't know what my problem is. I'm, I'm the same way, dude. I love documentaries. Yeah. I'm running out of and Disney, good. Disney's great because they have the natural, the National Geographic channel where it's like a load of documentaries. Yeah, but I like to watch documentaries about serial killers and murders and stuff. Those but are anyway, that's what I'll I'll use my turn since I didn't read anything because I was watching documentaries all the time that I'll uh, talk about some of these. I did see that, though, and I was interested in a few episodes. There were some that I was not interested in at all. Yeah, it's understandable. It sounded like it, a good was, concept. It sounded like a I good concept so. that would be good for me, but when I started reading through the episode descriptions, I'm like, I don't want to watch that. That doesn't sound good. And I looked at Barbara, and I'm like, this is great in concept, but they missed something in the execution. So how is it? Possibly. But anyway, so you want me to talk about it now or start here? Yeah, anyway? let, he's going to intersperse it with our comic book reviews because he didn't read That's it. what I was okay. going to. So uh, at least you have the, the idea of what 616 is. So I don't have to explain that. I read Crossover. Oh, dude. I'm drooling right now. I am excited about this idea. I, well, I read about the idea in, you know, in an article, and it just sounded like this this has potential. So, yeah. Okay, so basically, what this book is about. Oh, he's checking his notes, too. I like it. Yeah. Let me hold it first. Yeah, sure. Focus. You can flip the art. Art's kind of cool if Scott wants to see it. But um, Look at so, that. So who is the artist? Jeff Shaw. So on um, – Same guy who did God Country. Okay. On okay. Yes, January eleventh, right. yeah, twenty seventeen, in Denver, Colorado, there's an event, and superheroes become real, like they just appear. Okay. And so they basically they they form like a bubble, and they just fight in there, like they're just having a knockout brawl, and that's become like everybody's moved away from Denver, and it's only superheroes. Um that live in this bubble and they just fight cool because that's what superheroes do right they just fight each other superheroes and villains is and this dude at a comic book convention or a comic book it's store? a comic book store that's a nice store <laughs> i know that's like well, boom comics in topeka type nice part of it oh, is cat. so um there's this girl her name is ellipses and she works at this comic book store and so like in in this time they're 
comic books this dude sells like vintage comic books and so like there's a bunch of people that are in there because they're buying like comic books or whatever um and so one of the she that pixelated th girl mm -hmm. like she just wanders into the comic book store but she's like one of the superheroes so she got out she got somehow she got out of the bubble she got out of the bubble that's not somehow. good when you got superheroes get out and of the so bubble. there's like people out in front of the comic book store like how did they get them in the bubble in the, the first place we don't know we don't know there's they like an event like at the, the very bubble? huh like at the very in the bubble huh at the very beginning of the book there's a kid on his bed and he's like reading a comic book and then there's just like this flash flash and like then the white event like yeah and then look a bubble a bubble and, and then, then a bubble like, forms and they're yeah, just and there. there's just like superheroes okay. all in the bubble it's like the bottle city of okay. candor except it's life-size that's and, where um, i was thinking yeah so she's the the ellipses lady she's working at the comic book store and she sees a little girl and she's like how did you get out and she's like a man let me out Ooh, and then she's like can you draw me a picture of the man that let you out and she draws a picture and it's a picture of superman wow so apparently yeah. superman this let guy her out. is that what you're saying yeah that's Superman. i don't know if that's superman that's superman it's got an I s on his chest odd. it stands for s. hope s stands for hope is that what it stands for <laughs> s does stand for i didn't know that or i forgot it yes but that's pretty much it. I it's still all think pretty it's general Zod. But it's it's all pretty much set up, but it's kind of cool. Like you introduce a character. It's kind of an interesting concept. Maybe it's the Red Sun version of Superman. Yes, it is the Red Sun version. But anyway, I liked it. It's cool. Um, so at the very beginning, this was great. They have like uh, two um, quotes. And the first one is uh, the world of the, we'll of the comic book. The world of the comic book is the world of the strong, the ruthless, the bluffer, the shrewd deceiver, the torturer, and the thief. In comic books, life is worth nothing. There is no dignity of a human being. Frederick Wortham from Seduction of the Innocent. Nice. And then right underneath it, kids love chains. Todd McFarlane. <laughs> <laughs> kids love chains. That's awesome. Yeah, right? I love that. It's pretty great. Kids love chains. That's why Spawn's kids, full of chains, dude. Kids like kids, chains. What kids can I love say? It's like chains. What can you say? Why, why does Spawn have this obnoxious cape? I don't know. <laughs> Capes look cool. Capes are cool and kids love chains. Kids love chains. I'm kids reading that cool. as like this real serious thing from like Frederick Wortham from Seduction of the Innocent. And it's kids love chains. Todd McFarlane. He's a philosopher. <laughs> Pretty much. Speaking of, so this is a total tangent. So Todd McFarlane was <laughs> like, talking, never do that. <laughs> I know, right? I don't know. It was an interview or something. I can't remember who he was talking. Maybe it was a, a bleeding cool. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, he was saying he's always like on about like how more people aren't as successful as he is or whatever. Right. You know? He's like, why am I still popular? You know, someone should have knocked me off by now. Mm -hmm. He's like, where's that other generation of artists that came after? after us image guys why are we still popular why haven't we been knocked off and well because of rich shifted to the writers well rich, rich johnson is trying to make all these excuses reasons why possibly it happened blah 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 he's like no it's because they aren't putting in the work because we did our time like we put like we drew a book for like three or four years like you know it was a grind we did a monthly book and we put the body of work in and built up an audience and now 
you know, and then we were able to be successful. Guys in this day don't do that. They're just cover artists. So they're just, you know, do like three issues a year or something. You know, and he's like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know if that's true, but it did get me thinking. And here's what my question is. Who are the next generation of like popular artists after the image guys? I started to make like a list trying to figure out like who those guys were. And I guess right after the image guys, you got like the guys who did cliffhanger, right? Joe Maggiera. Yeah. Uh, Humberto Ramos and J. Scott Campbell. They were the next generation, right? They're all offshoots of Image, though. They were, but they were pop. They did their monthly okay. books. They put the time in. They got a following, and then they did their own thing and got really rich. And mm-hmm. now they mostly do covers and stuff. I guess they didn't build like media empires like Todd McFarlane did. I don't this know, is though. Very... You got some now like uh, Scotty Young, uh, Olivier Capel. I see yeah, some of I those think... ones. I think that's another thing in this interview, Richard. I said, well, you're seeing people now. He's like, yeah, but where were those guys in those 20 years or whatever? You know, where, where were those? And then Rich Johnson said what you did. He said, well, it shifted to writers and writers became kind of a focus after that. You know, yeah. but he's like, oh, no, it's, we shouldn't even be popular. Uh, there's people should have knocked us off. I don't know what happened. So They're a I'm, bunch of slackers. So I'm really, really into this Rob Observations podcast. I don't right. know why. I'm fucking addicted to it. It's good. But he was talking about, he actually did, he talked about um, DC. And he, because, you know, he's been on social media saying that DC is going to die and DC is going to die. Because they screwed him on the books he did for New 52. Yeah, but dude, it was like crazy. Like he talks about it and like some of the stuff that happened with like New 52 is crazy. But anyway, he did the recent, the most recent one that I listened to, he did exactly kind of what you're talking about he talked about all this, the labels that came after image like legend yeah and so you had legend that's all old guys though. right and then you had Rivera, but then those were old guys right they were older than legend Rivera was like the old old dudes yeah but totally but then you had cross gen and cross gen cross gen brought in a huge amount of artists, yes, Joshua Middleton, uh, Steve McNiven, Brandon um, Peterson. I mean, those are the guys, like those guys, like Steve McNiven, like you know, he's Greg big Land. now. Yeah. Greg Land, um, Jim yeah. Chung, yeah. I mean, there was a shit ton of talent at like Cross Gym. Oh, totally. And then when they fell apart, it was like DC. It was like Everybody free agency, man. Yeah. DC and Marvel got most of them, I think. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of where that next generation was. I think it was kind of formed through CrossGen. There were a lot of people at CrossGen. Yeah, I think so. It's just difficult when you're trying to be a startup and to try to make successful and everything else and figure out the ins and outs. How do you make it efficient so that you can be making money and things? Where these other ones already have the established names and whatnot. Yeah. You know, I I don't know. Image the the. A lot of what happened with the image guys was they hit the right place at the right time. Yeah, it really the was. Comics I mean, were hot, and they were they, selling a ton of copies. Everybody yeah. was at that time. You well, know, they, now it's it's really downstreamed a lot. And even when CrossGen tried to do their mark, the the market just wasn't there. Is what a lot of it is. And it wasn't like they were any worse artists than the ones that came in those early '90s. They just unfortunately it wasn't the right time for the market what's that well yeah they were probably better yeah they're definitely better and the other thing too that that Liefeld hammered I mean you have to 
I even get to it and I'm like, oh my God, he's talking about how he sold 3 million copies of Always, what, every day. I, or whatever, you know. Oh, yeah. you, so you have to be able to put up with Rob Liefeld. But if you can put up with it, it's great because he's got great stories. It's stuff that I've never heard of. Like, it's cool stuff. But he made a point that, so McFarlane sold 3 million with Spider-Man. He sold 5 million with young or with new mutant or x-force and then like two months later jim lee sold like seven million with x-men that was oh, yeah. what 1992 one 91 yeah was, yeah there's very not, early 90s there there has not been another comic that has sold a million copies since x-men since jim lee made eight million seven million not one there's no comic yeah, that has sold one Star million Wars copies. The no, Star Wars I don't think it sold a million. I think it did. I don't know that it has. I mean, I once, it once, because yeah, once those like, guys got done and everything else, it dropped. And then you were starting into back into the hundreds of thousands of sales. Right. But Lightbulb's like nobody in whatever, almost 30 years, there's been no book that sold a million copies. And that's insane. Probably not. That's because all mean, of those maybe, people stopped buying multiple copies. I know. Realized it was a well, scam. Yeah. I know. Yeah. But like, but blood, there was a lot of people buying stuff though too. You know, in general. And I'm not because everybody not, was thinking, oh, this is the new hot market. You know, it's like baseball cards. You know, and things. But it, yes, it was a hot. Spider Man had, Spider Man had what? However many, X Force had the bagged with the the trading card, and then X Men had like the five different covers or whatever. But right. Spawn, Spawn sold – well, that's not true because Spawn sold a million copies. So right. I don't know what he's And that's about. my point but is that Spawn those sold guys a jumped off of Marvel at the right time. When yeah. the copies oh, yeah. being and, sold were at the top, they went – I mean, it's like no different than any of these other type of peaks. They jumped off here at this peak, and they were making what they could. And the ones that were smart enough to invest or whatever else, like Todd, you know, and things, have been able to maintain some of that. You know, but I mean, it dropped like anything else, and it had a hard drop was a problem. So when CrossGen comes out here, it's way down here. They can't compete. I mean, these guys were selling shit like way back here. They can't make any money. So it's yeah, if, uh, you know, I understand what Todd's trying to say, but you know, he Todd Todd and his group, you know, were a little bit of luck. You know, a lot of talent. You know, and things of that nature. But they hit things at the right time. But and it is right. in order to do I that mean, again is just going to be I, I mean i don't know if that will ever happen again because of timing you know right. but i mean he is right i mean you know he was on he was on spider-man for what two three four yeah, years he grinded it out he grinded it out every day every week every yeah, month no totally and uh, rob liefeld was the same way on when he took over new mutants and then he did x-force oh yeah, um, yeah. it, it seems like work. the other guys they put in their time and Silvestri, Silvestri was oh, he grinded. He was huge for oh god, yeah. Before that, like for, he was popular. Like years? he was on X Men, oh. like before <laughs> Todd. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he was the older guy. You know, and then, yeah. um, well, freaking Valentino. I mean, what? How many Valentino's, issues? Of, of say, did he do? Was Valentino the oldest of them all? I don't know. He yeah. seemed like he was probably up there. Too. You know the weird thing? I'm thinking so. Like, so Rob Liefeld is like. 52 53 and he was the young one like yeah. sylvester's gotta be mid 60s or uh, early 60s i think they're all like under 30 except mcfarland 
I mean, probably there's probably like 60s. Maybe the rest are still like the high 50s rather than. Yeah, but that's crazy to think about, though. It's like, man. Not really. I'm pretty old, too. Well, no, I know. I am. But I mean, it's crazy to think like, yeah, look, Rob Liefeld is 52. And Eric Larson's probably in his late 50s. Yeah. Sebastian's probably his late 50s. Valentino was was probably a little bit older, too. I mean, he's probably. Mid mid to late fifties, you know, they're all probably he mid to he late looks 50s, older too now. Yeah. I don't know. I've seen some stuff that I, I thought that was within like the last five years or so, and he just he looks old or older. No, it's Frank Miller. No, well, Frank was Frank was a little yeah, bit. How old is Frank him. now? Is he in his eighties? Looks like he's about ninety. I think he's only in his sixties. Yeah, Gosh, I would think he'd be older. Valentino is 68. 68. Okay. Like I said, he last time I had seen something in an interview, he was looking pretty old. But yeah, I mean, I understand what he's saying. But, I mean, I also, like, Scott, what Scott says makes a lot of sense, obviously. Okay. I mean, Frank Miller is 63. Wow. Looks about 90. Life's not been good to him. No, he's got well, something going on. He had... From interviews and things that I've heard and just other people, I think he really liked cocaine in the 80s. <laughs> like, I think I think he partied a lot. So that's probably what's coming Did back he? to bite him. I'm ready to look at Keith Richards. He looks fun. <laughs> no, he does. Okay. I can't believe Frank Miller's only 63. I must have read that one. I can't either. Because... I know he was young. Yeah, no kidding. What the hell was he? Nineteen when he did Dark Knight. <laughs> Dark Knight was eighty-five. Yeah, he was freaking young. That's what I'm saying. That yeah. dude was killing. He was young. probably like eighteen, nineteen, maybe twenty. In so he was probably sixty-five, or he was born in sixty-five. He was born in fifty-seven. So he was thirty when Dark Knight came out. Fifty-seven. He was born in fifty-seven. Yeah, I can't believe he's only sixty-three. Yeah. So he was thirty when Dark Knight came out. He was probably twenties, late twenties okay. when he was drawing it. Yeah, not crazy, but still doing. impressive. Yeah. yeah well, then you is. wonder too, like, because like, how so like, I want, to, I don't want to talk about image guys. I want to talk about the guys after that. So like Joe right. Madjira, okay. So he did like a short run on X Men, mm-hmm. built up a following, and then he jumped to Battle Chasers. But then he like barely put that book out, and then he started working on video games and kind of left. J. Scott Campbell, you know, broke out on Gen Thirteen. Then he had his own book, Danger Girls. But he put like what five issues out, and then mm-hmm. over like three years, and then never did any more interiors, hardly ever again. Right, just discovered. Oh yeah. So I mean, yeah, just a lot of well, covers. He did Danger Girl too, or something. So Humberto, yeah, like five issues here and there. Humberto yeah. Ramos was in that group, and he's still drawing comics. He is, but then it's it's ironic. Maybe he wasn't as popular as the other two, but he like draws comics consistently, but yet he's not as popular as the other two. Right. You know, it's like it's almost like. There's not a lot of reward for drawing a monthly book anymore. There isn't, and that's what um, oh, there that's why I think Todd McFarlane gotta... is missing. Is putting in the time doesn't necessarily guarantee you what he's saying. It's going to guarantee you, and and well, that's what Rob and you probably hit the nail on the head too. For a lot of the artists, is that they probably make more in just doing a cover type thing than they do for doing oh, yeah, an entire book. Totally. Well, so, a lot of like Leifold was saying, like when when um, he was doing Extreme Studios or whatever, like like uh, Fraga, like they left comics. And did other stuff. And they did storyboards. Yeah, because you make more. Than that. You can make a ton more. Oh, yeah. And like he was like, he's yeah, told the probably story a good point too. Time. Too, so you could work for the major motion picture companies and make more than in comics. He's, he's talked about it like when they first started getting into storyboards, like they were literally stick figures. 
Yeah. Like these guys were drawing stick figures for storyboards. And an artist like Dan Dan Fraga or Dan Panosian or Chap Yap or Joe Majura or whatever, they could do bare minimum of what they do on a comic book and it would still be ten times better yeah. than a stick figure. And yeah. they're getting paid ten times as much or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean so I mean that's what and a lot of those guys like they went and they they left comics. They went to do storyboarding. They did video games. A lot, some of them got into even like animation yeah. and directing yeah. and and producing and stuff. You know, I mean, like that's that's crazy. But yeah, it, it's a grind, man. It's hard work. I mean, like Rob, I he I hate to keep saying Rob Liefeld, but I listen to I'm his so podcast. I'm so freaking tired of hearing about Rob I know. And he's like, man, he's like, I've been doing comics for whatever, but it's like it's a grind, man. It's like you start at the top left and you finish at the bottom right he's like it sucks sitting at a table and drawing all day he's like but i love comics and i love to draw comics you have to really love it like you look at is that why i did 12 pages of rejects and then never touched it right because he loves it so much i know and you know rob liefeld's a moron i read about that article did you read that whole article about what he did like okay so he had a break off from image and he formed awesome got partners and then he said if they foreclosed him he lost everything and then it did go kind of crappy and then he had to like split all his stuff that he created amongst other people. Mm-hmm. Who the hell makes that kind of deal? That dude is, he should have had so much money at that point. Yeah. He should not have had to make any kind of deal to like, yeah, but his stuff. There, there's a difference between, there's a difference. I understand, but there's a difference between comic book money and there's a difference between oh, I know. TV shows, comic books and movies. Like if you want to get your, your, product if you want to get young blood turned into a movie you're yeah, not i'm not saying he's financing himself but somehow he lost control of his no books. and i understand that but right now after deadpool hit a movie and and um i mean he's fine the dude is i know i know he's royalties. not like hurting or anything <laughs> as far I'm as i'm just like, saying that's my point is he can't be hurting he that bad that he so he's, he's getting some royalties from deadpool yeah he, he, he gets five percent he gets five oh percent of anything Deadpool. If they make an action figure, is that Deadpool, something that he made a deal with Marvel yeah. on then at the time? So back in the eighties, Jim yes. Shooter was editor in chief. Okay, back in eighties, nineties, Jim Shooter was editor in chief. He wanted his people to create more content for Marvel IP, but they didn't want to because they didn't have any ownership. So he gave everybody right. who created stuff an ownership stake, like five percent. A little bit of ownership, yeah. Which makes so he, sense because that's kind of where the things were going at the time a bit. It's yeah. for life. For life. For his life. Okay. So as long as he's alive, if they make a Deadpool toy, if they make a Deadpool statue, if they make a Deadpool movie, if they make a Deadpool comic book, they put out a trade paperback, he gets 5% of everything Deadpool. Same with Cable. Um, cool. So, I mean, and he talks about, like, the same thing, like, when he did New Mutants. And when he did X Force, he was getting million dollar checks. I understand from royalties from X Force. That's why I'm saying, if he was getting million dollar checks from X Force, he did Youngblood and, and then, made even more money. Right. Then he took why it. is like five years later he's trying to make deals and having to sell off two thirds of his IP? Because, because is he that bad at management? I don't know. I mean, if I was that young and I made that much money that early, 
I would say, okay, I'm putting 10 million over here just as a slush fund. This is my, right. you know, whatever. Well, Don't touch this. If anything goes wrong, I got 10 million, right? I do know. Yeah, but then again, I'm not an artist either. So, you know. No, I, I never made $10 million when I was 20-something. I do so, know yeah. that that he spread it around really good with, yeah, which with, is dumb. with Extreme Studios. I no, know. not necessarily. I mean, I'm, I'm talking like page rates. I know. He paid those guys I know. way over what they would make anywhere else for penciling, inking, whatever. Right. And and that's great. But and I'm telling you, after reading Brigade Number One, if he paid Marat Michaels that much money, he needs a friggin' refund because that book is horrible. He said he paid, he paid Platt like some ungodly yeah, because he was trying to pull him away from Marvel or whatever. He paid him some ungodly amount of money. Like I think he paid him like ten thousand dollars for pencils yeah. and maybe inks for like profit. Yeah, I like it. one issue of profit, he paid him like ten grand. I get it. He was paying like um, his inkers like three hundred, three hundred fifty dollars a page, and these guys were cranking out like they're inking. They could ink two pages a day. Yeah, these guys were making like they were making like I don't know two thousand dollars a week. Yeah, just I inking. I understand, <laughs> but like Scott said, he got lucky and he hit the lottery. Oh yeah. And so I think he felt guilty. It's a little bit of that, oh, man, I got so lucky. I'm going to start spreading it around. Well, I think maybe he also, I think part of that's part of it. But part of it is also, it's like, hey, man, I was on the other side. And we formed this company to, like, do it different. And I'm going to do it different. Like, I'm going to pay these guys to keep them. Part of it was to keep them, too. Keep yeah, them loyal. I hear you. But at the end of the day, he still owned everything. So he really didn't do it different. <laughs> well, he did give credit. He said he did give credit to other people that created characters like did he uh pay them do they own part of it i think they own it like he mm -hmm. gave them copyright okay but anyway cool um i don't know that was that was a long tangent conversation sorry right, i'll do no a, that's fine i'll do a review i don't care i read oh man i need to move odessa 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 <laughs> who's that by uh jonathan hill there's a picture of him in the back Huh. Maybe. Another no, not. Where does he live? I don't know. Oh, there he is. Jonathan Hill. Um, I didn't get to see it. This, you didn't? You just showed Scott. Sure, the camera. Wow. Huh. Yeah. How rude. Anyway, so I go to the comic store and I grab my monthly books. Or and whatever. that was in there? This was in there. I'm like, Odessa? I don't remember ordering that. Cool. It looks pretty neat. I was like... <laughs> I was like, I was looking, I was looking in the. Oh, that looks like something I would dig. Look, it's got like the two tone. It's like kind of like you know cartoony. <laughs> looks like, you. dude, that's cool. So anyway, so I got this Odessa book. <laughs> Giant you guys surprise! Make fun of me. Giant surprise! I don't know when I ordered it. But anyway, it totally looked like something I would order. Not like when they tried to hand me that collapser book. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I didn't order collapser, but whatever, dude. <laughs> but this one, I'm like, yeah, it looks like something I would order. I'll pick it. But uh, it's a. Uh, it's kind of post-apocalyptic. So, like, there was a big earthquake and it, like, destroyed half of the West Coast. And the, most of the Western United States has become, like, a post-apocalyptic thing where they have, like, weird gangs that are kind of ruling things. And they have their own kind of money system. And it's like a barter system and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, there's this family, two brothers and a daughter, and they live with their dad. Many years ago, their mom left the family and wandered off. So the daughter is getting older. She's like, I don't know, 16, 17. And she gets a letter from her mom for her birthday. And she's like, man, 
I'm going to go find mom. And so she thinks she used to be like in San Francisco. I think they're like, I don't know where they're living now, maybe like in Utah or Las Vegas or something. So she takes a heads out, runs away, kind of leaves the family, goes a trek to find her mom in San Francisco. Of course, her two little brothers follow her. So like the three of them are together traveling across. They run into like a biker gang and they save some lady from the biker gang and get into all these scuffles and they meet this other guy. They're looking for like an uncle that they think their mom went and stayed with. So they're looking for the uncle. So it's basically just like a, I don't know, like a road road story where they're getting into different kind of situations and adventures. And That dude's got like a Thanos chin. Working. It does. I think that's a beard. Actually. It's a beard. It's just a... I think it's not actually the thing. Scro- okay. It's not a scrotum sack chin. It's like more just a beard. It's just the way he he, he drew it. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, it's cool. It's like a two-tone kind of pinkish um, color. Someone asked him why he did it like that. I guess he's colorblind, so it works better for him to work with like just two colors or whatever, you know? Hmm. But, oh, wow. Anyway, it, it's pretty good. I mean, it's it's felt a little long as you're reading it. Like it's fairly wordy and just kind of felt like it kind of it's kind of like fire and ice where it just kind of seemed like it kept going you know all over but i mean it was still pretty enjoyable and good read and there's some there's some crazy stuff in there like sea monsters and stuff so i mean it gets kind of kooky but the only downside is you get to the end and like they didn't find their mom they're like still looking for they like got a lead now they're heading out so it's like it's gonna be at least another book before they even i was gonna ask you if there's gonna be an odessa too i think there's gotta be because it says to be continued Hmm. and i don't know the book i mean this book is like 300 pages so it obviously took this guy a while thick pretty thick so it's a hefty read so I'm like, I don't know how long it took this guy to make the first one. It's like 300 pages. So I don't know how soon it's going to be before they put out the next part of it. And I'm like, am I going to be alive? I mean, am I even going to remember reading the first one? You I won't mean, remember reading the first one. You that's probably a, won't even order it. That's a problem with a 300-page graphic novel. And then there's like a second one that just leaves you on a cliffhanger. It's not like a single issue where the next issue is coming out the next month, you know. So... Or even like an image trade where you know like six months you're going to get another trade. Right. So that was the that's only true. downside. But yeah, it was pretty cool. I don't I know. Know. It's an image that's trade. That's waited. not a very good example. You might not get the next one. Depends that's on what true. See, that's why I would have waited until part two came out and then I would have bought one. I had two. no idea there was going to be a part two. I just it wasn't said, even hey, what he wanted to display. <laughs> this looks cool. Let me get it. And then there you go. You know what's funny is when you were talking about. It's got a quote from Jess Smith on the cover of Bone. Nice. Yeah. When you were talking about you didn't remember Orton Collider, and I told you I would just walk around. Oh, that, I said Collapser. Was a collapser. Okay. Maybe yeah. it is Collapser. I don't know. I don't, anyway. But anyway, you were like, I was like, yeah, when I did that, I would just go put it back on the shelf. Yeah, the problem is yeah. he handed it to me. Right, I know. And I was ready to pay. Right. But anyway, I just had a thought went through my head of um, Better Off Dead with the mailman. Oh, yeah. Just walking and dropping stuff. Yeah. With a trail of mail as he left, that's what I would do in the comic book store. Just, just if I had been, if I had comic been... books, just dropping them on the floor, walking over them. See, next time I'll do that. Head. See, this time I thought that, hey, I'll tell them I didn't order it and they'll take it back, but they weren't taking it back. And so I'm like, okay, next time I'll play it cool. I'll be like, oh yeah, thanks. And I'll go look around and drop right. some stuff off. See, but I, since I made us think about it. I couldn't then go drop it off because I come back there like where'd that trade go? You yeah. had you, you know, put that was, you put that collapser trade right behind 
the maestro number four. Well, they have a trade <laughs> section. <laughs> I'll just slap it right. I'll alphabetize it. Just slide it right it in. Right on the show. That is true. That is a very good point. Yeah, I, I messed up because I right. I argued first. I should yes, have, exactly. I should have not even tried. I should have just slapped yes. it on the show. It's easier to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. It's easier, it's easier to just, just do it and hope you don't get caught. <laughs> <laughs> That's an old. Yeah, thing. I know what you're saying. Though. <laughs> it kind of applies, but not quite. Right. Right. Yeah, it's close. All right. Actually. So it's time for Scott to talk about an episode of 616. So yeah, is this so like a series? Like each episode is slightly different? It yeah, is. So there's uh, basically eight episodes. How many episodes? Eight? There. First, yeah, eight episodes consisted of their first season. Okay, right, so what, and each episode is actually. Uh, well, hold on. Each episode's about an hour or something like that, but they all do cover different subjects, but they're in a documentary style type of scenario. All right, but they're all related to Marvel and kind of say their business or their IP, you know, intellectual property. Right, what the first episode so, about. So the very first episode is maybe the actually the best to tell you the truth. Um, it is about Japanese Spider-Man, and it is really good. Um, the only disadvantage to it at all is the fact that it's um, more uh, well the fact that it's interviewing a lot of the actors and people who are involved in the production, and so there's a lot of subtitles type of thing because people are speaking in, ja in Japanese, so you really do have to pay, pay close attention. But it's a really good story about this Japanese Spider-Man TV show that they made in like the 70s. And it was kind of like the precursor to some of the other stuff that they do later on. You know, the, the I can't remember, it was like uh, some type of Group J or something weird that ended up being the predecessor before Power Rangers and things of this nature. But they were based almost off the fact of some of the things that they did in this Spider-Man series. And it's very okay. interesting that they found, Oh, go ahead. I thought it was going to be like a documentary about like different things about the Marvel 616 universe, but it's about a Japanese Spider-Man TV series. It's, the first it's about a Japanese Spider-Man TV series. That's what I said. Each one of these little things are more about Marvel and the IP that they own and what people are doing with it or what people did with it than really about the Marvel universe, so to speak, of 616 or whatever else. It, so it's, it's more of a how the stuff that Marvel's done have, has interacted in the world around us in a way. And, and so, like I said, the Japanese Spider-Man is taking stuff, you know, of what they did back in the 70s and explaining how they took a character that Marvel had and they translated it to a different culture and how the cultural differences, they had to make certain differences with Spider-Man. But the fact of the matter was that actually Stan Lee of, you know, was very open to the idea of letting this character be tweaked in a way for another culture to embrace it. And it's, it's very, very interesting. I mean, especially if you kind of, you know, my kids are big anime, you know, type fans and stuff. And so from their perspective, they kind of like that Japanese culture and things. And so that's one of the things I 
try to, you know, watch on a little bit. And I found this very interesting from that aspect of it. I thought episodes were going to be about like the Clone War saga or something, you know. No, I it was going to be about stuff from the comic books. No, they really each one of these don't really focus too much on comic books themselves. It's, like I said, it's more on how Marvel as an industry has affected different things and how they, you know, how they've changed maybe throughout the years, you know, in different subjects and thing and stuff like that. It's a lot of how, like I said, how Marvel and their their brand has been has either affected or been affected by the world around us. I'm glad you're enjoying it. It sounds horrible to me. If you don't like documentaries, you wouldn't. The Japanese Spider-Man, like I said, is extremely funny because they found the original actors, all these type of things, and they they tell stories about it. And just the campiness of this TV show is freaking hilarious. Um, but like I said, I think you have to have a little bit of that appreciation maybe if you have appreciation of, say, Power Rangers or, or anime or whatever else, it makes it a little bit <laughs> uh, more enjoyable as well. Like I said, there were a few. I won't let him talk about other ones. But there I would were say few. that the Spi- Spider-Man one was probably my favorite out of them all. But yeah, it's it's, it's a description like the second episode. Explore how the trailblazing women of Marvel Comics found ways to tell stories of representation. Right. That doesn't sound that appealing to you. That's so you're, you're right. I mean, if you're if you don't like documentaries, you would not like it. I mean, in some of that one, it's it's basically them talking about stories on how. They got into the business, the characters that they wrote, you know, kind of the different, uh, different jobs that they've done, you know, at Marvel, Um, you know, and it's, it's really more of a history lesson of how the, you know, women got into the Marvel universe, you know, different ones that helped trailblaze to allow other ones uh, in there, how they've expanded their diversity as well. Think all um, the way back to like Anna Senti and and uh, Louise Simonson. Louise Simonson. Like, do they talk about those people? Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. That might be cool. Yeah, I like those. So, guys. see, he so doesn't like. I, I, so you know, I didn't think it was. I I thought the women in in comics as well was was uh, pretty interesting also because it talks a little bit more about that history and and how you know Marvel, especially at that time, was a bit of a family felt business you know it was pretty small you know and things everybody rushing for deadlines people jumping in where they could you know and that's how some of these women got their opportunity was because of the fact that the men couldn't keep up with deadlines you know and things and you know they're like well here can you take on this you know yeah sure you know and then it turned out hey they they're really good at it okay you know and it, it kind of would open up more doors in for for other people to come in and then that you know, kind of, you know, became more of an offshoot to uh, me being more diverse from a race perspective and other things. I'm not going to review the book, but this is kind of cool. So it's Spawn 301. It's record breaking. But on the back, it's really cool. So this is what's cool. June of 92, Spawn number one, Todd and Cyan. And then October 2019, Spawn 301, Todd and Cyan, now, now Doctor. Doctor. That's yeah. how long it took. 
Wow. So, and then at the top it says thousands of pages, hundreds of characters, dozens, dozens of creators, seven image partners, three decades, one record. I mean, that's it's like 27 years of doing Spawn. It's a long freaking time. Like, I've been buying Spawn longer than half of my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I'm 49 and it's been decades. 27. So, since I was 22, I've been buying Spawn every month. Wow. That's crazy. If you put 12 issues out a year, it should only took him 25 years. Why yeah, I know. Because he had through. some. He couldn't count for a couple of those. And, so yeah. I did. I got caught up on. Spawn. I don't know if it counts when you like put them out of order. Like if you put out like um, twenty and twenty one before you put out like eighteen and nineteen or whatever the hell crap you pulled. But I did want. Do you? That's cheating. Do you want to wait? Do you want me to talk about this, or are you going to read these? Do you want to do them together and catch up, or do you want me to talk about them? Oh man, it's like part of me wants to say don't talk about them because I don't want to hear about them, but the other part of me is like I probably won't get to them. So you, you go ahead and talk. Okay. Well, I'll do my. I'll do my uh, extreme unit or my. My, but I can jump into what I read. But I'm way past what you've read. It's true. Um, Are you reading no, I mean, image cool. stuff? If you try to do the whole extreme universe. Yeah, it's going to be like 400 issues. I put but all mine away, it. damn it. The best part is my copy of Youngblood number zero. It has no staples in it. Was that too expensive? I guess so. Like, why did you take the staple out of your comic book? That's not I didn't take work. them out. This is how I opened the book. This but is what you it read was it like. Before. I picked up extra copies of places, so this may be like this is not your original. This may not be my original. So yeah, it's like well, this way you can hang them on the wall. Right. Do you need a stapler? I can find one. No, I think it's kind of cool not to have staples. It gets kind of hard when you're reading though, and you've got like splash page and. You know, you yeah, know. That's, I get it, but it's that's cool. Not cool. So, actually. so young blood number zero. We actually go. What back. number is this of your of your reading order? I don't know. I didn't like them. It's fine. I, I can pull it. Okay, you're good. Young blood number zero. If you don't know the answer, so <laughs> I don't know. Seven, it's probably eight. like issue number twenty-seven. Eight. Now I'm not even that far. I'm only up to like fourteen or fifteen. Young blood zero is number eight. Eight on the reading list. Bam. So this book wow. has it come out in like 92, probably. 93. So we flash back to 1988. So we're like four 1988. years 1988. Yes. Wow. And Iraq is like invading. 15. It's very contemporary because Iraq is invading Kuwait. What? Desert Iraq Storm? Isn't, yeah. So Iraq is invading but Kuwait. But in Youngblood 1, they killed Saddam Hussein. Yeah, I know. But that, that was, was later. So, oh, this is number zero. Yeah. So, battle at this point, Battlestone, who is the leader of Brigade, is leading Youngblood. Young so, this Boy. is before he broke off. Right. This is in Brigade number one, which I read. He's like, I remember when I used to be in Youngblood. This tells the story you of young what pups. happened. This tells the story of what happened and why he broke away from Youngblood. Is it because he didn't want to get involved in the war? Well, no, it's because they go over there. And he's got like a team with him and they they take over the beach and then there's like these tunnels and two of the guys are like well, we want to go we want to burn scorched earth like we don't want to leave whatever's in these tunnels for the guys for the enemy to come back and get and, and battlestone's like no they're like you need to just leave that stuff alone they booby trap those tunnels and stuff 
And they're like, well, screw you. We're going to go down there anyway. And of course, they set off a booby trap and they both die. Well, then Battlestone's like, well, we're getting the hell out of here. Well, there's another guy. And he's like, you can't just leave those guys. We need to go get them. And so Battlestone's like, F you. And he punches him in the face. Well, he's a superhuman and the other dude isn't. So he breaks his neck and kills him. Well, Chapel's part of the team. And he's like, that's not cool, dude. He's like, I'm putting you under arrest. And they fly back to America or whatever. And he goes into the, has like a, a military tribunal thing or whatever. And they're like, yeah. They're like, we're not going to, because you've given pretty good service to the United States. So we're not going to like imprison you or kill you or anything. And you're a superhuman you, to boot, boot, so Right. probably shouldn't piss you off too much. So we're just going to say you can't be part of Youngblood anymore and you have to disappear and just don't ever show up again. And so then, so that's how he gets out of, that's how he does not, how, why he's not part of Youngblood anymore. And then to tie it in, they flash to like whatever, like 14 months later and they're introducing Shaft as the new leader of Youngblood. Um, so that's basically Youngblood Zero. It's, a, it's the backstory of Battlestone. And I've read that at some next? point in time. I actually own that one. Okay, so Brigade... So then we will go into Brigade 3. Hell, it probably sold a million copies, didn't it? Probably. I bet it did. Um, so, There's, Brigade... That was probably the, one, of those, one of those ones that you could only get, like, a special way, wasn't it? I don't even know. Zero, no. No, the okay. only one was the image like zero. Those zeros were, like, some weird promotional crap that they would pull... Sometimes. Nah, yeah, not this one. Um, so then we go on to Brigade 3, and Brigade, they've been um, transported to another planet, and they were, like, in an arena, and they were, like, fighting. Well, they escaped the arena, um, and Hulk? they go... Uh -huh. Planet Hulk? Yeah, it's like Planet Hulk. <laughs> it's like Planet Hulk 20 years before Planet Hulk. And so they escape, and they go down into the sewers. Um, they, they're, they're running around in the sewers, and they get intercepted by this other team. And they call them the Factor. And they've been sent after Brigade to capture them and bring them back to the leader of the planet the, the, and back to the arena. Um, they fight. They beat up. They defeat Brigade. And then at the end of the issue, another group of, like, these four characters show up and they start to fight the factor on behalf of brigade and that's where that one ends so there's not much to it there's a lot of them wandering around in the sewer like they're wandering around the sewer trying to find their way out that that was the bulk of that issue um now supreme number two gets kind of interesting so it starts out and supreme um he's like he's doing his superman thing like in the Matrix, he's hanging out over the planet and he's just like, there's like a splash page where he just sees like the entire image universe. And so like it's, he sees like the Wildcats, he sees Spawn, he sees Savage Dragon, he sees uh, uh, Cyber Force, uh, uh, Wetworks is in there. So it's, he's just kind of like surveying and he's like, because he's from a like, He's been gone for like 40, 50 years. So this is all kind of new to him. So he's just kind of seeing what, what everything looks like now. Um, so then he's like, I guess like when he left, he had like a super, a super nemesis, which was kind of like a Lex Luthor type character. And so this guy's in prison. And so he goes, he goes to the prison and he's going to 
kill this guy. Well, this guy tells him like everything he did after he left. Like he killed his girlfriend who was a reporter. <laughs> and then, and then um, he takes out like uh, it's supposed to be um, uh, the photographer. Who's the photographer for David? Jimmy Clinton? Olsen. Jimmy Olsen. Like he runs over him with a truck, <laughs> like kills him. And then there's um, there's like the Junior Supreme Squad. And so like he kills all those guys. And so he's like hanging, he's like breaks into the prison and he's going to like kill this guy. Um, but this, there's this other group called Heavy Metal. Um, and they break in and they stop him from doing that. And they tell him that their boss wants to chat with him. And so he's like, fine, I guess I'll go talk to your boss or whatever. And so the, this guy is, his name's Jason Temple. And he put together this superhero team called Heavy Metal. It's kind of like, I guess, like, in this universe, like, there's other, like, there's a brigade, there's offshoots. So this guy's trying to, like, build his own Youngblood team, but, like, a private Youngblood team instead of, like, by the government or whatever. And so he basically, he's trying to talk Supreme into joining his team because he wants him on his team. And the when I read the comic, it was kind of like Supreme's like, yeah, F you, I'm leaving, and he leaves. But then when we get to Supreme number three, He's like on call, like I guess he joined up with him because like the team has a thing and they call Supreme and he shows up. But anyway, it wasn't made clear to me at the end of that book. Pause when you're done with this issue. Okay. Are you done. done with this issue? Pretty much. And then so basically he leaves and then they do a flash to like a spaceship and um, it's heading for Earth. And they're, the whoever the alien is on this ship is talking like, well, I've got to go find Supreme and talk to him too. So, anyway, yes. Now How I'm much do you think he paid Brian Murray to draw this? Issue? I don't. Because it's not very good. It's, yeah, and he's like, and I've he never even heard it. of him. Rob Liefeld inked pages, so yeah. he had Brian Murray draw it, and then he inked over Brian yeah. Murray. Maybe he should. Pay <laughs> All right. Okay. So this page. He was really busy at this time, dude. He was busy. Rob Liefeld. Oh, I'm talking about this page, though. Yeah. Was he busy during this page? I don't know. Because, okay, you got this guy's face. You got, like, this hand. You got these heads on the wall, right? Right. What's this little panel here? Is that, like, a nipple? I think it is. Is that a female or a male breast there? I don't know. But, yeah, I did see that. It is a nipple. <laughs> it's like, but it's like its own little panel. Like, what is that supposed to, what does that have to do with anything else on this page? I have no idea. Why is it just a random panel at the bottom of this page with a nipple? I don't know. But the interesting thing. See, Scott, there's like a, at the bottom of the page. There, you see that? I do see that. Like, what is that? It looks like a nipple. Right? So the interesting so thing. So the dude's just drawing nipples in panels on this Supreme I, book? I mean, I is, isn't this so. like a Superman I thing? I don't know. Lightbelt or Mickey inked, inked it, so they I saw it. I don't get it. Um. What was I going to say? Oh, one of the other things is, so this is kind of like, it reminds, done with this one. We said, well, this is a general theme with oh. like all of these books. Um, and I think it was probably carried over into a lot of the image books, but. Um, nipples? No, not nipples. The the violence, the blood. There's a lot of it. It's almost like, I wanted to compare it to like when they finally got rid of the code or they did the, pun they did the Max series at, at Marvel. Yeah. And it was like, Hey, we can use the F word. Yeah. <laughs> it's like every other word of dialogue was like F this, F that, S this. They're like, oh my God, we can cuss in a comic book. We're just going to 
and it was like blatantly obvious like when you read it you're just like oh my god it's like yeah, i'm in third really grade needed. They just it's like i'm in third grade the at the playground again i just learned how to say shit or whatever you know but i think there's a lot of it and they're just like well we can put as much blood on the paper as we want you know we can make it as violent as we want and so i mean it is a running theme through a lot of this stuff it does get i mean for a comic book in the 90s i mean you didn't see that like and a lot of it, I think, was like when they. Hey, I, I'm not having a problem with the nipple. I'm just saying I don't know what it has to do with that page. Yeah, no, like I it's know. completely out of place. I I understand, and I did see that, and I think it might. I don't know. Like I think because it it's like be. its own its own panel. Right. Well, and I don't see how it relates to any of these other. I think panels. it goes into this panel. And no, this there's a divider covered. right there. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I can't answer your question. Can we get Brian Murray on the podcast? I have a question. Maybe I don't even know where he is anymore. I don't either. Um. So then the he never did anything else, did he? I don't think so. So then the next the next issue that that falls onto the publishing. So this is like the order. Yeah, how that is that part of the how is that part of the extreme universe? I think it's only because it has a Rob Liefeld story in it. So But it's Bloodwolf. He's not part of the extreme <laughs> universe. Does he ever show up at another time? I don't know, but they He's he like, does have a series and it's for, and it's under maximum press. Yeah, but it has nothing to do with the young blood. So the weird thing is I I don't know that I ever read Darker Image because I had to pull this baby out of the you bag. Never, you never read it? I don't know. It's got the first wow. Max story. You yeah, I know. The Max. It does. I know. It's the, I don't it's know. the first Death Post story. I had to open, I had to unseal the bag, dude. So I even this had is, that one. That one this is an anthology book. Um, it was supposed to go more than one issues, apparently, but I think only Did you one say Bloodshot was in there? No, Blood Wolf, Max, not Bloodshot. Death Post. Death, Death Blow. Death Blow is it? Because I always confuse Death Blow and Bloodshot. And, yeah, they kind of were around the same time, but yeah, they're totally different. Sorry. Um, yes, they're, so, they're different characters, but both of them have this big freaking red circle in their damn chest or something. In some cases, but Death Blow uh, doesn't technically have that. Yeah, he does. And so they drew it on him at different points, if I remember right. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I would have swore I had a copy of Death Blow somewhere where he had a big red circle on his chest. Probably when he. I don't know. But he might have. Okay. Um, I didn't read every Death Blow comic. So this is a. Uh, I can't an, say I did either, but. But yeah. a lot of the Death Blow was black and white, and Bloodshot was always like white colored, so it kind of had very similar aesthetics, even without the red circle. I have the Death Blow card. This came back. Ooh. Um, so anyway, yeah, it has a short story of the Max. Um, and then it has a uh, blood wolf. Is it blood wolf? I think it's so. it's um, Rob Liefeld's take on Lobo. Basically, it's a Lobo ripoff. Yeah, it's a Lobo ripoff. And then Death Blow. It's got a, a Death Blow story. Does so. you have anything original? <laughs> I Lobo ripoff. Deadpool. Um, strike. So then the next issue is Supreme number three. Um. So it opens up in a boardroom with um, Jason Temple, who is the leader of, or he's the guy that organized the heavy metal team. Um, they So one of the team members' name is Riot. Um, he tells him that he's got to go to the tailor to get a new costume because his costume's out of date. So he leaves with another guy, and they go off to get a new costume. And then Serious they, question. Yeah. For your notes, do you write them as you read the book, or do you write them after? I write them after. 
Because I don't know if my, as I'm reading, sometimes my brain just goes. Sometimes I have to go back. You have to go to back. Flip I, the book I just to so. get like the the names right. Because I read like the Youngblood One, Two, and Brigade, and it's like there's so many characters that are also. Oh, I know. And they're also sameish. Like none of them have a distinctive personality I for know, the most dude. part. They. I would say. Well, so you hit the nail on the head right there. Personality is like secondary in almost all these. I mean, it's almost like he's trying to give each character a little bit of a personality, but he doesn't yeah. give it enough development to really establish it. I would, right. I would well, agree. I mean, if you read Youngblood... And so I mean, many of them fall in certain stereotypes and whatever the hell else, and they're nothing original. Youngblood number one was a flip book, and it had two teams. There were yeah. probably 12 to 14 characters that yeah. were introduced in Youngblood number yeah. one that were exactly. all new. Yeah. yeah. And then Brigade, you brought another, you know, six characters in. Yeah. And like I read Brigade Brigade One, and like there's a team member that isn't even even established like until halfway through the book. I'm like, oh yeah, we have this other person over here, and this is her powers. It's like, but they're on a mission now. It's like, well, we didn't bother mentioning her in the first, you know, right. six establishing pages or whatever. <laughs> right. No. Um. So anyway, there's another character. His name is Skyraker. Of course, he, is. he has a spaceship, so he goes up to the up to the spaceship and he's like asking about information about supreme and the computer's like well it's going to take 12 hours to compile all that data and he's like okay well do that for me then so then the main bulk of the story it's all set up i guess or whatever so the main bulk of the story is that there's like this uh it's like a peace conference or something like at the un type a un type of thing where there's all these delegates from all over the world that are flying into um I think it's JFK, or no, what's the one in D.C.? Anyway, they're all flying into this the airport, and um, so these terrorists decide, hey, this would be a great time to, like, kidnap all these world leaders and then hold them for ransom. So that's what they do. And so then that's when I was talking about in the other one, so Jason Metal, or, yeah, the guy that's running it, Metal, he finds out about it. He's like, oh, crap, this is our chance. He's like, we got to. We got to get there before Youngblood does, and we can make a name for ourselves. So he rounds up all his his guys, and they send him to the airport, and they get a hold of Supreme, and Supreme shows up. Um, but Bloodstrike is there, so they're introducing Bloodstrike in this issue, and they're like talking to the press, and they're like, and then Supreme shows up, and he's like what are all these dudes doing he's like let's just go get them and they're like well they're gonna kill the hostages and supreme's like i don't care he just flies in and he gets like he's just smashing heads knocking people out just killing people and uh that's pretty much that issue he like what saves all the other team which other team heavy metal heavy metal yeah it's heavy metal but it's m-e-t-t-l-e yeah heavy metal so like brigade was all like they were showing up at a hostage situation in their first issue and they were like waiting for young blood to show up but young blood didn't show up and so is that like every issue like there's a (laughs) hostage situation they're waiting for young blood but then another team shows up (laughs) not everyone are you sure (laughs) was that the story in every issue Oh, it sounds. Did he introduce a new team? Because you said you said they had heavy metal. They're waiting for Young Blood, then Brigade, and then Blood Strikes. Yeah, I know. It's like superheroes everywhere, dude. Do all the teams? How many of the teams start with B? I guess you said Brigade and Blood Strike. Well, that's the thing. Like you were talking about, Blood was very heavy. Like 
of course Rob Liefeld's like I did Young Blood, and then everybody then it was Bloodshot, and then it was Blood this and Blood that, and blood Marvel Wolf. Marvel did like a whole blood tie-in thing for like their blood annual yeah. and stuff, and he's like the whole nineties was a blood everything, it was a bloodbath, man. Yeah, and Faust was coming out, it was crazy. So Brigade Number Four. Is a, a flip book, book for young blood that also five. has young blood number five. Well, that's two for one, dude. Right, I know. Win mean. <laughs> so I mean, as a comic fan, you're like, wow, I got it. Except when I Each they did it like five pages. Except so. they did it just like they did when um, yeah, we so you bought both the of things. them. So you thought they had Brigade number four sitting here, and then they had Young Blood number five sitting <laughs> so here. You pick up, and both. you're like, oh, I need I need Brigade number four, and I need Young Blood number five. So you pick them both up, and then you get home, and you're like. Holy crap, this is the same, same comic. comic. Yes. And yes. why did the price go up? Because he had to pay his guys so damn much? I don't know. And he had to buy Camaros. Okay. Dude, so this is weird. So I I started pulling out my old Wizard magazines. And I was looking like um, through it. I've got some of those too. And so this is like, the first issue I have is like number 13. Of so yeah. of wizard, so it's like ninety two ish, ninety one, ninety two. Dude, yeah. every public so image had just started. So image is like two dollars, two dollars and fifty cents a piece. Marvel comics, like normal regular Marvel comics, are dollar twenty five. Yeah, image comics are like two dollars to two dollars and fifty cents. Then they have like all the there were so many price points on comics it was crazy. They had like dollar twenty five comics. Then they had like dollar fifty. Then they had dollar seventy five. Then they had like two dollar. Then they went up two fifty. Um, I don't know what the hell uh, Valiant was doing. They were two twenty five. Like yeah. all their books were two twenty five. <laughs> it's like even now, it's like you think about it now, and it's like three ninety nine. Well, it's funny. I'll Everything's three ninety nine. I'll go to the comic book store, and the comic book guy, like the cashier dude, is always like, you know, he's like looking at the prices, trying to separate them. Like, dude, everything's three ninety nine. I'm telling you, everything I order is three ninety nine. <laughs> right. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll find was like, oh, five ninety nine because it's be some weird indie book, and I'm like, <laughs> right, all right, dude. But really, everything is three ninety nine. You don't need to like check the price on every book. Everything's but now, I remember like I would go into the comic book store, like when I was a kid, like in this time, and I would pull all those books off the shelf and just stack them, and then you'd go up and they would sort them. Yeah, they would have to. Sort they would have price. to sort through all the prices, so you'd have like. Four of them at a dollar twenty-five. You'd have three of them at a dollar fifty. You'd have two at a dollar seventy-five. I was just like, "That's crazy!" Like you had a spread of like a dollar twenty-five to like two fifty was like the normal price of like comic books. I'm like, "That's insane to me to think about it now." You know what I mean? Like that's kind of crazy. I just remember when Marvel yeah. comics went from sixty cents to sixty-five cents. I, like, I know. Really, dude? You need that extra nickel? <laughs> and then, like a couple years later, seventy-five cents. I'm like, well, here's maybe a, you should just start. Well, that six, makes sense. So, okay, three right. quarters. Okay, there you go. Here's another thing where I'm going to go back to McFarland, and this was kind of cool of McFarland because he's still is it dollar ninety-five? He's still two ninety. Two ninety-nine. Two ninety-nine. Yeah. And everybody's at four bucks. Yeah. And he was like in an interview. Or, I read that. I heard yeah. That. And he's just like, he's like, I don't need an extra dollar. If the I, dollar isn't going to do anything to me. Like, yeah. He's like, I don't care. He's like, but yeah. if somebody's looking there and be like, oh, I can get this book for two ninety nine, this for three ninety nine, they're like on the fence. It's like, right. well, they're going to pick the book that's two ninety nine. Yeah. 
And then part of it too is like I've heard him say like, "Oh, these guys have supported me for twenty five years, like these yeah. guys." So like, why would I squeeze another buck out of them? He's yeah. like, "Screw it." I mean, he stayed at one ninety five for the longest. A time. long time. I mean, Youngblood one was two fifty. I just looked it up. So yeah. So life felt sorry at two fifty. <laughs> no. I'm sure it went up from there. But okay, so brigade number four. So the team that showed up at the end of number three, they're called the Birds of Prey. And they I'll be back. <laughs> right. So we have another team. Is there a like black numbers. Um, canary in there? No, but they're all bird. Oh they're all, all bird birdish. Oh, yeah. He did do hockey people. though. I don't need to see it. There you go. It's good. Um just keep going. But they Scott already left. I know Scott it's doesn't care. Scott's checked out. Um so they um we they find out that they're on a planet called Devor, D apostrophe V O R. And the Devorians, they go around and they capture people from different races and planets and they bring them to their planet and they put them in an arena and they either keep them as slaves or they use them to fight. Well, that sounds cool. Right. It's like Planet Hulk. Exactly. That's what Scott said. He's Planet like, this Hulk is like Planet Hulk. Hulk. And I'm like, yeah, this is Planet Hulk. Did Scott say that? Was I not paying attention? Yeah, I think you were gone. Okay. Were you um, already talking about this? I was. Why are you talking about it again? No, 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 no. I was talking about issue three because I told him they escaped from the arena uh -huh. on a planet where they were in an gotcha, arena and gotcha. had to fight. And he's like, that's like Planet Hulk. Um, so Genocide, who is the character that showed up at the end of number one and actually captured Brigade and brought them to this planet, he wants to battle Battlestone one-on-one. -on -one. Like, that's all he wants to do. And so they get him, and they fight, and the rest of Brigade and the Birds of Prey join. So now Atlas, who is the character that can grow really big, like Giant Man. Yeah, I remember him from one of the right. Brigade, yeah. He gets killed. They Apparently kill he gets dumber as he gets bigger. Is that what it was? I think so, yeah. Something like that, yeah. But he gets killed. So somebody takes a shot at, at one of the character at Battlestone and he jumps in front of Battlestone he's like no save Battlestone and he gets shot and he dies that's one of the Star Trek right <laughs> so then um, everything calms down somehow I don't remember because I didn't write it down but they get a ride home in a spaceship so Brigade is off the planet now they're at home and the Pentagon they have a splash to the Pentagon and they're like Brigade's been gone for three months. If they reappear, we need to send our team Bloodstrike after them and take care of them. So they're introducing, slowly introducing Bloodstrike. So Young Blood number five is a flip book. And we go back to um, Young Blood and the Berserkers are fighting Darkthorn and Bedrock, who Bedrock had been taken over by Darkthorn and so had Die Hard at the end of issue four. Um, so, of course, Darkthorn has them on the ropes, and then Vogue and Riptide. So, Sci-Fire, they've kind of put him in, because Sci-Fire is, like, the powerful guy, and he's, like, the loose cannon. And so, they kind of got him, like, handcuffed and taken him away. Well, he talks to him, and he's like, I'm the only dude that can take out Darkthorn. You need to let me free so I can take out Darkthorn. And they're like, okay, fine. And so, he fights Darkthorn. And then, of course, Darkthorn's, like, got him on the ropes, and he's like, They've got Darkthorn on the ropes. He's like, I'm not going to finish you up now. So I'm going to leave and I'll come back and do it later. And so he leaves. And then um, Kirby 
yeah. the character Kirby, he decides that he's going to stay on Earth. And that's Jack Kirby? Yes. And he's got a cigar, and he's like bare-chested, muscled up, or whatever. So, um, yes, it is a, it's is a tribute a, to... This is the Rob Liefeld universe, so everybody would be that yes. way. Right. He decides that he's going to stay, and he's going to help out Prophet. And so then the Berserkers, they go, okay, we'll see you later. And they leave and they go back to wherever they come from. Yeah, so I was reading Youngblood 2, I think it was, where they introduced Prophet. Mm -hmm. And so it starts out with like that team with Kirby, right? Mm -hmm. What are they called? The Berserkers, you said? Yes. And with then they're a Z. like Berserkers with Berserker a Z. Z. And they're like come after some people called like the Disciples. The or Disciples. Something. Yeah. And then Youngblood comes in there with Prophet. I'm like, Dude, it's issue two. I got two young blood teams. Now I got a team of the berserkers. I got this team of bad guys know, called the disciples. And I'm like 40 pages in, and there's like no character development. I don't know who the hell these people he are. He is building a universe. Well, he's building. And something. no, re no wonder sales kind of went. So then, next is um, young blood strike file number one, which is also a flip book. So we've got uh, chapel story drawn by. Um, What's his face? Chep, yep. No, Jay that's Lee. Jay Lee, which is really freaking awesome. And then we've got um, a Die Hard story, which is drawn by Chep, Rob yep. Blyfeld, I believe. No. Um, can't, can't draw no books. No. So, yeah, it is. Ha-ha! Mickey did the inks. He printed all the work. So, Chapel... Um, well, I did want to ask a question about this Youngblood 5. Real quick. Yes, sir. So, I'm flipping, right? Mm -hmm. That's what you do on a flip book. You flip it. So, I'm reading the book. Right, I'm sorry, it's a brigade size. Yep. So Atlas jumps in front, gets killed, mm -hmm. got this big scene. All of a sudden, there's just a, there's a cover of Brigade Zero in there. Right. But it doesn't really look like an advertisement like Brigade Zero's coming out. It's just like a <laughs> it's just like Brigade Zero cover. I'm like, is this Brigade Zero? Is this like a triple book like Brigade Four? Yeah, but they don't, no, but then the next page looks like it continues the previous story, so it's not Brigade Zero. But no, it's an ad for Brigade Zero. They just that's they, a really weird place for an ad, and it doesn't even look like an ad. It looks like an actual cover to the comic. It is it's like sometimes actual, they'll add some like words to say right? coming soon or get this book. You know, that thing was dripping with ink when they got it to the printer. I mean, that is the worst so ad ever that you can't even be for sure if it's an ad. So. The Youngblood strike file is... Where do you file this in your thing? Do you file under Brigade or under Youngblood? I have one under Brigade and one under Youngblood. Of course, you have two copies. <laughs> well, I told you I had to buy two because they set them up. I probably have more than two, to be honest with you. Pretty sad. <laughs> um, so uh, these are like flashback stories. So Chapel... Al Simmons, who later becomes Spawn, is not uh, Spawn uh, yet. So Rob Liefeld drew this, right? And Duke. All right, see that, Scott, yes. how his, like, face mask is, like, droopy? I love that. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? That's pretty cool, except until you get to the next page, and it's totally not droopy at all. <laughs> but it gets oh. droopy later. It goes back to droopy. That's not very consistent. No, it's not. Um, so that Chapel, Al Simmons. Is it, like, a difference of timelines or anything? No, it's like the next page. They're in the same battle, it looks like. Yeah, it's an old story, too. It goes back to the beginning, to back when Supreme was on the planet. And Well, they were in World War II because they were fighting Nazis. Did he not have an eraser? He drew a group. Uh, see that? He did. Oh, look, another ad for Brigade Zero. That's like a Cobra Commander hood right there. Yeah, why is it half? 
the heck is I he don't doing? Know. So Chapel, Al Simmons, and a character named Duke are on a mission for Jason Wynn. And this was six years ago. They infiltrate a couple. That name sounds familiar. That's Spawn. He knows he's just I know. Code. So they infiltrate a company called Cybernet, which I think I've heard that before somewhere. Um, yeah. And they fight a guy like named, from the Terminator. They fight a guy named Geiger. Duke gets killed in the battle. And from G.I. Joe? I guess. I don't know. Cool. I don't remember. No, I think he's part of uh I'm kidding. Just yeah, I know. Um, and when so he gets killed, and then when goes, oh, he was a traitor anyway. Um, then they fast forward to five years. Chapel's now with Youngblood. Simmons is dead. Chapel meets Wen, and Wen's trying to get him to work for him again. And Chapel's like, he turns him down. He's like, dude, I got Youngblood now, and you are uh, like batshit crazy, dude. So I'm not gonna work for you. Um, so then after he leaves, Wen makes a call to Geiger. Um, and then the flip book is um, it's golden age type thing. Um, so it has uh, it has um, Supreme, no Die Hard, Glory, and a character named Super Patriot. And this is like in the forties because they're fighting Nazis in like World so War Two. Die Hard not age as well. Die Hard is a robot. He's a robot. like a, so they robot. come out with different models of him. So this gotcha. is like the original. And Glory is like oh. one of the Right. Uh, that's right. Now that you say that, that sounds familiar. Golly. Boy, that's a long time so, ago. So Super Patriot uh, that takes me back. <laughs> right. So Super Patriot, I think, is the character that then or that um Eric Larson has, the Super Patriot guy. Because I think yeah. he he's the original and then I think he gets experimented on or something and he turns into like the half cyborg, half thing that's Super Patriot, I think. Sure. Um, so anyway, they're fighting the Nazis, then they flash forward to now, and Glory, and now she's older, she's got like, well, she might have had the silver hair or not, but anyway, she's got like the gray silver hair. Anyway, she's in a meeting with Shaft and Die Hard about, here we go, about how Super Patriot was attacked and left for dead in Chicago in a Savage Dragon comic book. Oh, wow. Um, he was then kidnapped by Cybernet and turned into Super Patriot, who is a cyborg. So he's tying in to to that. Yeah, that's exciting comics. Just some um, people sitting at a desk talking to somebody. Right, I know, right? Page full it's of drawn words. really well though. Thanks for that. um that's like uh what's his name? It is a special glory pinup. Yes. That's like uh what's his name? Um Bendis. That's Bendis before Bendis. That's the new the Avengers is sitting around for thirty issues talking. Oh yeah. Definitely. Um so then I picked up Young Blood Battlezone. Which is lame because all it is is like, hey, here's Youngblood's car. Hey, here's Shaft's bow. You know what's really lame? Hey, here's, here's their hideout. Is, I don't even know what the book is called because I know. the, the battle it. zone is obscured behind the artwork. So I don't even know what the title <laughs> is. I, I was like, what is this? Like, what is this? Youngblood battle, battle talion, battle what? Yeah, that's terrible. terrible. I really want Oh, like, I just thought it was another issue of Youngblood. Yeah, you can barely tell there's something. I want my $2 back from that issue, seriously. Oh, this was only $1.95, dude. I know. I want $2 back. So what the hell? Didn't I, we already have a discussion about this one? Rub the blood. Yeah, this, this is, is the rub really the blood. So hey, this, did Doom Square ever come out? I heard Steven Spielberg was working on a movie. To do with that. There were, it was like a four-issue series. Wow. 
Steven Spielberg get a credit? I don't know. Um, so now the last issue that I read this time is uh, Blood Strike Number One, which is Rub the Blood. This book it's really bloody because it's called Blood Strike. There's a lot of blood. There's oh, a lot of violence in this. I know. I told you. If you ever want to know, it's got uh, Chapel's hypercycle. <laughs> right. All right. So Blood Strike Number One. They um, get a call to investigate a GATE gate facility. It's considered, so we get more characters. So now we have Cabot, who's the leader. We have Tag, we have Forearm, we have Deadlock, and we have Shogun, who's a big giant Shogun warrior robot type thing. Shogun I don't know. So Cabot and Tag, they encounter a character called Commander Corbin. And they find out that he's a hologram. So they fight and he's like, ah, I can't see me. I'm a hologram. I'm not really there. Um, Cabot gets shot. They make references to these the team members on this team all being dead and brought back to life. So be left shiny without the bad because that's the that's the point of Blood Strike is they're all they've all been killed or they can be killed and then they just reanimate them or put them in another clone body. There's something going on. I don't remember exactly. Man, this sounds like the Marauders and Mister Sinister. Where you know, like clones and they come back. So then we find out that the character Corbin, Corbin actually hired them to infiltrate the gate facility because his superiors thought that he wasn't doing a very good job. So he hired Bloodstrike to come in so he could defeat them and make his job look like he's doing a good job. They didn't work really well for him because they shoot the shit out of him. I saw that. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, really they like shoot the crap out of him. Yeah. And then at the very end, they get a call and they are called in to take out Brigade because Brigade has popped back up. And as I mentioned in the last one or one before that, they said, hey, if, if uh, Brigade shows back up with sick blood strike on him. So, man, it all ties together. It all ties together. It's like they're sitting in that studio just jamming these ideas. Jamming, jamming, jamming. So that's inking pages for $2,000 a week. That's right. That's my um, that's my extreme universe recap. Wow. I don't know if cool. we need anything after that. That might be the end. I did uh, read Umbrella Academy Volume 2 and 3 again. Because I finished the TV series, and so I wanted to catch up. Right. Because I read the it's first one. Very different. I wanted to wait until I finished season two before I read the second trade. But yeah, it is very different. So I don't think it would have really mattered too much. There's Thanks. so much less characterization in the book. Oh, I know. The book is just so like, short. It's like snap, snap, snap. Yeah. Whereas the show, like, it spends all that time. But the second one is Dallas, so it is about the Kennedy assassination, sort of, kind of. Because it really doesn't really happen until the end. But uh, it's good stuff. Um, they spend a lot of time on this John Persis guy, who they really haven't touched on in the TV show at all, I don't think. But uh, I don't know. It's uh, What's the guy's cha-cha and what's the other one? You guys got it? It doesn't matter. Uh, the two uh, bounty hunter guys from the yeah, the two yeah, bounty hunters. Shows. They're in this one quite a bit. The second one, they're much more psychotic in um, the comic than they are in the TV show. Are but since fighting? I had read, since I read two, I went ahead and I read three too. I'd read it fairly recently, but 
it had been since so long since I read one and two. It was good to read it after reading the other ones because they do really flow into each other pretty nicely. But Hotel Oblivion. This is the one at the end where another Umbrella Academy shows up, isn't it? Yes. They come and they grab Vanya, I think, and they recruit her. But uh, this one is basically, it's about, I guess, Hargreaves was was made, made like a... The Arkham Asylum in a different Like Arkham Asylum, hotel, prison type thing to to house all the criminals that he wanted to get out of commission or whatever. It's kind of like yeah. in another dimension or something. It's really weird. But anyway, they figure out, I guess John Perseus, he owns this big corporation. I guess his dad was a criminal that's done there. And so he is trying to figure out how to break him out. And so he creates like a portal and they all kind of come through. And then it's just chaos as Umbrella Academy is trying to fight all these criminals that have escaped from this prison. So it's a big, fun kind of action piece. But uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. I liked it. The only thing I thought was weird about this one, and it bothered me last time too, it's like the coloring is funky. Like they almost color outside of the lines on purpose, like sort of artsy. Yeah, I remember you telling about that last time, I think. At first I thought maybe it was like a printing error, but then the more I looked at it, the more it's totally on purpose. Who's coloring? Um, It's somebody good. Filardi. Nick Filardi? Yeah. So I'm sure that... um, they must have told him, hey, color outside the line. Right. Because I don't think you'd do it on purpose. Yeah, it was interesting. I, w- I was hearing you talk, and yeah, that cha-cha. So they don't show up until the second one, but they're like the focus of the first, the first season. season. Yeah. It's kind of like in the first season quite a bit. Yeah, they pulled from that yeah. second book. And they pulled some, well, because they had the, f- and they just kind of mashed everything together. They really did. It really is a big remix of the books for the most it is. part. It is. Which is fine. I think it, yeah. I th- honestly, though, I think it helped for the second season to flow better. In a lot oh, of ways, I Yeah. No, I mean, I think it works really well. I think the season, I think the television show is really good and the books are really good. They're just slightly different and that's animals, great. you know. I mean, it doesn't feel, I mean, they feel like one is inspired by the other, but there's such different mediums. Like they spend so much more time developing the characters and stuff. Like Klaus barely gets any like development. Where in the TV show, he's like this really well developed character. Yeah, absolutely. But in the books, they don't really do that yeah. very much. It's still really cool. It's just more of a comic booky thing. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoy both of them. So it's cool. cool. Yes, but yeah, Vanya gets recruited to be in the. Uh, in this new Umbrella Academy group or whatever. Not Umbrella Academy. They're a different academy. Is that in the third one? That's in the third one, yeah. Because I've read Sparrow, the third one they? once. What's that, Scott? Are they the Sparrow Academy, maybe? Yeah, that's what they're called in the TV show. They don't really... I don't think they give them a name in the comic Oh, game. they don't give them a name here? Okay. No, I don't think they do, but maybe that's what they are going to be. And maybe they do, and yeah. I just missed it. That's possible. Uh, it could be. I don't know. I, I get things a little blurred between the TV show and what I read there. Yeah, it was really fun going back and reading these. I really enjoy the comic Umbrella Academy. It's just a really unique, cool thing. Yeah, but it was like you said, I went back and reread it after I watched the season, and I was just like, this is it? Yeah, there's not a lot there. There's not a lot there compared to the TV show. And it was weird because, like, I remember, I might even mention it, like, I remember when Umbrella Academy came out, and it was like, it was crazy popular. It was hot. Like, it was a hot book. Like, and it was a new concept, I guess. And I mean, it was really well done. It was written really well. The art's amazing. 
but when I went back and reread it a second time, I'm just like, eh. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it it wasn't like I'm like, why did I like this so much? Like, why was I so up on this? Like when it came out, I mean, it's still solid. It's good, but it's not anything that just like blows yeah. me away now. Yeah, I think it was just very unique at the time. Right. But yeah, I don't. But yeah, it definitely. I don't. I don't know if time has been that kind to it. Right. And I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying and it that doesn't it, mean it's bad. It just means it's not as groundbreaking. Right. Exactly. And that's the thing. Time. It's like if it came out now, it'd just be like, yeah, it's a cool comic. You know what I mean? But I really remember like when it first came out. Like maybe that was the first time we saw. Is it Gabriel Ba? Like was that yeah, his breakout that stuff? Yeah, his breakout stuff. Because his art is really cool, and I like it. Yeah. But anyway, he might. Did he do Casanova or was that the other one? That was, was the other one. That was Fabio. Fabio. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was definitely his breakout. Cool. All right, Scott, I think you have to do another episode of the 616. Uh, let's see. Well, we already talked a little bit about uh, the women in comics, so we can skip that one. Uh, there, another. After that, they talk a little bit about some of the foreign artists. Um, yeah, but I don't remember their names or anything. Quite frankly, I thought it was probably one of the weaker episodes. Um, just because of the fact that they're trying to advertise the fact that, hey, they use, you know, some artists and writers outside of the U.S., you know, to, so that they can get different perspectives for their tales, you know, and things. Or Rob Liefeld's because uh, they work a lot cheaper. Yeah, could be. Uh, but I think in particular, it was an artist that was working on uh, Miles Morales's Spider-Man. But so you guys would probably be familiar with him. But uh, I heard the name. I, I might definitely wasn't. I don't read that book. Yeah, and I don't pay attention. Yeah, to Yeah, unfortunately, it, I, I don't remember. Yeah, couldn't tell you yeah. who draws or anything. Yeah, sorry about that. And then they've got like a episode of uh, about a comedian. Uh, I think it's like Paul Shear or whatever, kind of a short, bald-headed guy who's uh, trying gets hired by Disney Plus to try to go kind of find the next series maybe that they want to put on there. And he's looking for like these, um, you know, kind of, uh, what would you say, just flash-in-the-pan comic heroes that came out or whatever the heck else that he could try to make something of, you know, the little-known comics and stuff. And he focuses on something about these like i don't know a team of freaking animals or something like this that uh was like a shark and some other things that were going around trying to protect like the the animals and other animals and whatnot and it was kind of like more of a don't don't kill animals type of group <laughs> i don't know I can't remember exactly. I should have taken notes like you did there, Don. Yeah, but yeah, that one I don't really remember too well on what exactly. You know, I mean, because really, it's almost a less serious episode in general because it's trying to talk. You know, it's a bit more of a satire type of type of thing. It's not bad, but it goes a lot into like the actual maybe some of the creation process while they were thinking of things like they do when they're trying to create like say a new superhero team or whatever else and trying to bring back, you know, and highlight some of these little lesser known type of things. I mean, cause they do make mention that Marvel has like, what the hell is it? Like over 4,000, maybe it's twice that, maybe it was 8,000 like characters in their freaking you know, IP stable, you know, of things. And so they're, you know, just, 
focusing on a couple of them. But uh, one of the better ones that they talk about that you guys that here, this one you might be interested in, but here again, you know, they took some obviously artistic liberties, you know, and stuff with their documentary is the, uh, the Marvel method of writing. And they're highlighting the fact that, you know, Stan Lee used to be like the one writer with a room full of artists. And so, you know, the, they're putting out freaking what the hell was it? 20 comics a month or whatever, you know? And so Stan's sitting here writing, you know, little things of like, okay, here's a general plot. I want to see this on a page one and something like this on page two. And he'd give it to the artists and the artists would, you know, have some, you know, freedom to kind of develop how they would want to place everything based off of the overall plotting outline that Stan would give them. And then Stan would come back around after they drew stuff and he'd write in the, you know, the dialogue, you know, type stuff. And so that came to be known as the Marvel method. And that's what that whole episode is about is kind of, explaining that and there's one of the writers uh, Dan Slot I think or something like that that still uh, yeah that still uses that Marvel method in a way but I think some of it like I said was taking liberties to try to demonstrate the Marvel method in some respects as well as Dan's been around I guess Marvel since like the 90s or something for like 30 years and there's a lot of you know jokes and things done it and dan's like you know very laid back anyway kind of character in general so he, he seems to take it but i mean you know they kind of make fun of the fact that he's slow you know and his de doesn't meet deadlines whatever the heck else but i mean the way that the episode flows it almost seems like why the hell is this guy still even hired at marvel because you know at first he doesn't really you know he's using the marvel method which means he should be able just to plot out crap and you know give it to a writer i mean give it to an artist and then he's supposed to come back around and do the dialogue. Well, he falls so far behind that they have to hire another guy to come and do the dialogue for him. And then they get into the, like, the letterer, like, freaking two days before they're supposed to, like, you know, go to publishing and things. And so a lot of what they're trying to demonstrate is how the deadlines are in the comic industry and all the people that are involved and what the editor's doing, what the letterer's doing, you know, and this type of stuff. But, you know, it kind of almost comes at Dan's expense because of the fact that he looks like the idiot in all this because he he can't hit deadlines so uh but it, it's an interesting take on you know trying to blend some of that history of you know what stan used to do and what we do now you know in some respects and and uh you know all the people that are involved in the creation of a comic book getting it to press and hardly anybody you? you know uses the marvel method anymore where they you know, basically plot out all the dialogue and what each panel does and all that stuff anymore. But that's because you have writers that are focused on more one story or maybe a couple of stories instead of freaking, you know, 20 or 30 at a time. Man, one could argue that the artists did a lot of the heavy lifting on those Stanley books. They did. And that's the... Oh, that's... yeah. And that's where some of their problems, though, come in, right? I mean, they even make mention of it into this episode which is which i thought was good was the fact that you know they make mention of the fact that the silver surfer was essentially you know created by jack kirby you know because of the marvel method you know he you know stan said something out uh, jack came back and goes well why the hell is this guy going to destroy the planet you know you know he's going to throw a herald out there first or something like this and and things and so they we're talking about that and Stan's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Okay. You know, so, you know, 
where's the creation come into there? I mean, a lot of things are collaboration. So, uh, and at that point in time, the company owned everything. So, and, but heck, I don't see it much different than, you know, any of us that work in those type of companies, you know, where IP is sacred, you know, in different ways. I mean, hell, me signing on to work for a company that I do now, basically, if I were to come up with something, they own it, you know, for all in intents and purposes. I think it's more that, like, if you casual Joe on the street, you say, well, who created all the Marvel characters? Oh, Stan Lee did. Right. You know? Oh, you're right. But what, about, what about... But what about Steve Ditko? Who's Steve Ditko? Yep. Oh, you know, Steve the guy Ditko. who pretty much invented most Jack of Spider-Man stuff. Right. That's Jack right. Kirby. I don't know. Right. Yeah. And a lot well, of that is exactly right. A lot of that is because Stan was the... He's the mouthpiece. He was the mouthpiece. I mean, he he pumped all that stuff. And yeah. He I was... Yeah. Well, but um, he was the big proponent, you know? I mean, he was the, the salesman for Marvel. And yeah. so he was the face of Marvel Comics like the, for the better part of decades now was it you know stan did he i mean part of stan's you know fun was the fact that he would embellish and whatever the hell else you know type things he would try to give credit where credit was due but would it always be heard i don't know you know You know, you created this character, and Stanley's like, I did. <laughs> it's like I didn't know that that was my character, or whatever. Like, I don't remember creating that character. <laughs> but uh, and he may have, and he may not have. You know, right? Some of that goes. Well, and that's funny though, because you know, I mean, that's that's a big part of like with with Kirby. I mean, you know, when when he left, he left Marvel and went to DC. And DC let him write and draw yeah. everything. He never went back. He never did anything after that. With the writer. With the writer. Yeah. He created, did everything because he felt like he was mistreated, uh, mis... Never got credit. Never got credit. He never got compensated for his work. And he's like, well, screw that. I'm not going to do that anymore, you know? Well, it's like that and, interview with Todd McFarlane where he was talking to Gary Groth from the Comics Journal. And they were asking, you know, well, who should have more? I mean, right. he's like, should the writer get more money? Should the artist get more money? He's like, you know what, Gary? Just give the artist 10% and give the writer 90%. You know what's going to happen? Every artist is going to be their own writer because right. we can draw and we can write. We may not write as good as you writers who are just writers, but we can do it good enough. And the new writers can have good luck finding somebody to draw against. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah. part of it, too, like... I listened to that that podcast and and Liefeld is uh, McFarland was like hammering Liefeld. He's like, dude, he's like, you need to plot your own book, you need to pencil your own book, you need to ink your own book because when you're working for Marvel, you're getting paid for each one of those things yeah. and you get a bigger piece of the pie. And he's like, why don't you ink your own stuff? Why don't you plot your own stuff? Like he kept hammering. He's like, you need to do everything you can do. Like. Every possible credit on that book you need to do because it's just more money in your pocket. Yeah. And royalties and getting paid, page yeah. rate. So, I mean. Well, it's just like how Baby Nasisha is credited as a creator of Deadpool with Rob Life. It's like, right. well, you know what? He scripted the first appearance. 
Right. Well, <laughs> but Rob Liefeld plotted. He created the design. He did everything. But yeah. Fabian Nisi is a co-credit. Well, it's so like, okay. <laughs> so when cool. I listened to the beginning of the the Liefeld podcast, yeah. he talks about like when he took over New Mutants and Lee Simonson yeah. was was writing New Mutants. Yeah. And when he came on, he told them they told him that they were going to get rid of the writer. Yeah. And so he had according to rob liefeld like he had plotted everything out like he created cable he plotted all those issues like he did all this stuff yeah and then i'm listening to a podcast um on word balloon and he's interviewing walt simonson and lee simonson and he's like yeah so i mean you basically created cable <laughs> and she's like yeah that was an interesting time yeah i did i helped i helped create cable and i'm just like what like, like but i mean uh, she did because she wrote the script she did i mean he came with the idea and she's like right. okay and she fleshed it out you right know? it's like i know but it's crazy like i've never heard louise simonson get credit for creating cable. for creating cable yes you know what i mean like correct. i've never heard that except for out of her mouth correct and um, only because someone point blank asked her exactly she would never go around saying i created cable right exactly <laughs> it's just it's crazy when you work on a book together or it's like collaboration. when it's yeah. a collaboration it's when like it's that collaboration who owns what yeah who did what all of it. that's true <laughs> well, that's you're exactly right yeah that was my point earlier marvel owns it all from the ip standpoint but but it's just crazy because i'm just like it's weird it's like you know, you listen to like I listen to like all this Rob Liefeld stuff, and I'm like on Rob Liefeld's side, right? I'm like, yeah, he created Cable, and he created this movie, and he did all this, and then I listen to like another podcast, and it's like Louise Simonson, who you know I have respect for, like I like her stuff or whatever, you know, and then it just out of the blue, she's like, oh yeah, I created Cable. I'm like, wait a minute, no, you did it. I'm like, Rob Liefeld did it. What are you talking about? Like, you weren't even supposed to be on the book. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just funny. It is crazy when you listen to so much of one side and then you yeah. hear something different. But So that show uh, that they were trying to, or the comic that they had found from like their Lost and Found or whatever was Brute Force. And it was made up of a team called Soar, Reckless, Lionheart, Hip Hop, and Surf Streak. And they were uh, cybernetically enhanced animals with a thirst for justice. Talk about that comic that the pure character is Brute Force. And they were going to, and that's what they had hired uh, Paul Shear, that comedian, and he found this group, you know, that was a comic. And he goes, Oh, Brute Force, who was this? And so he found this comic, and he, he, in the episode of the Marvel 616, he goes into a little bit more in depth of who was Brute Force, who created it, you know, or whatever, whose idea it was. And then he takes that superhero group and he has, he takes it around to try to make a demo you know, of what he would create if, if it was a TV show. And then he tries to, you know, sell that demo to the, or propose that demo to the Disney plus executives, you know, type thing. But the whole thing is more of just taking, you know, part of it is a love letter to Marvel fans to go, see, look at all these characters we have, and we're going to focus on these little goofballs here. And then part of it is to show the creation process and people that are involved in, you know, either, creating new characters or ip to the point of how you create a demo to propose to disney plus you know different ideas you know and things and how those yeah. things get fleshed out i remembered the character it was Groot. somebody was talking about they were on the 
talking to Stan Lee or whatever. They were on the set of Guardians of the Galaxy or whatever, and they were oh, like, it was and he, rude. And, and he he's like, rude. one of those monsters of the week. I know, things. right? And he's like, you created Groot. How's that? How cool is that? And he's like, I did. And they're like, yeah, his first appearance is in whatever that tells us tells me astonished. You created Groot. It's like, oh, okay, I guess that's cool. <laughs> Which is really interesting because it's like he created this one-off story and then someone took that character and did something else right. with it, right? And it's like, Very true. man, that writer should have just created its own thing. Like, why even right. rehash this old stuff? Because, well, okay, so it's interesting. But some of that story. is the nostalgia factor there, though. Nobody had, are, nobody had nostalgia for Groot. Nobody had nostalgia for Groot. You take those Groot things was. that are in there and you throw it in, and sometimes it's a little Easter egg or whatever the heck else you want to call it, you know, type of perspective where it kind of, you know, brings more things out of there. And sometimes maybe that person saw that character and it gave them a great idea, you know, to do that. So what better way than, you know, just to pull that character in if I can. I mean, I'm taking the same IP, you know, that I have <laughs> access to. Yeah, it's interesting because I was talking to um, Brian Hunter. Bam owns Wizards, and uh, thanks for clarifying. Right, we were talking about Rob Liefeld, and he's like, he had a good point. He's like, Rob Liefeld, yes, Rob Liefeld created Deadpool. He's like, but Rob Liefeld didn't make that character pop like he's feeding off of the twenty years that he didn't even work on the character of people that honed that character and Correct. made that character more popular. Like he his was, Deadpool it wasn't even the fourth wall breaking type dude. Right. And that it's was like, done by Joe Casey. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so it's like, yes, you created this character, but you can't take credit for like where Deadpool is now. Yes, you created and wrote him for what, let's say ten issues, because whatever, two issues of New Mutants and then six or seven however many ten issues of X Force he was on, however many of those he was in. Like, that's all the input that Rob Liefeld had on Deadpool. Yeah. yeah, he was a cool character, and he was popular when he came out. But other people have come along and contributed to that character and made him popular for the last 20 years. Yeah. So, you know, and I never looked at it that way. I'm like, oh, yeah, he just created this character, so he's cool. But then, yeah, he's been through so many iterations, so many different, you know, like you said, break the fourth wall, being comedic, like doing all that shit, you know? So, I mean... Yeah, it's 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 cool to be the creator, I guess. It <laughs> is a good title the benefits. to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with That's that. That's what I'm saying. If I was a writer, I'd stop using other people's characters and create my own. But now there's no benefit to that because Marvel doesn't give you that 5% anymore. Right. So. Yeah. And I don't know if it was a set 5% because he talks like he had to negotiate. So, I mean, yeah. it may be different percentages be. for different people yeah. or whatever. So, All right, Don. Oh, yeah, sure. All right. Well, this one, I'll, I'll make it very quick, but it's interesting. Oh, shit. I yeah, finished up. I finished up Middle West. Cool. But you guys already talked about it. So, did you like it? I did. It was cool. I kind of, I liked the way it ended. Cool. Um, so I, I started did reading. It feel I got, a little fast though, like a little rushed almost though at the end. Not really, not to me. I mean, okay. I don't know. I've read like the last four issues, so I got in the tail end of the like they were breaking out. Yeah. Like they were executing their plan, and then the floodgates yeah, opened, and the 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 main guy was like, "I planned this all along. I watched you taking stuff forever." And then the yeah. dad came in, and yeah. he turned into that. And I mean, no. 
it it did make okay. me wonder though it did make me wonder like how personal is that story because it seemed very personal and then there was a little thing like at the end where scotty young was like it almost hinted to like his dad like beat the shit out of him when he was a kid yeah <laughs> like he was a house of abuse or something you know yeah. what i mean and because i'm like man that's that's pretty crazy to like build that story and make it that personal and and you know what i mean like but yeah. i don't know it was all just it was just kind of the feeling i got from like the page or whatever when he talked about it at the end but yeah um, so i got caught up on new mutants um cool so they did a they did a a special war children it was actually chris claremont and bill Cabbage came back and did the artwork yeah and it's pretty cool. So it's set back in like with Warlock and Warlock's like super afraid that like, cause he has the, his father has always said that he had to kill all his friends and like eventually he had to become the Magus and like eat the world and all yeah. that stuff. So it's got really cool, some cabbage art. I mean, it's, it's evolved a little bit, but you can still tell that it's the cool oh, yeah. kind of crazy cool. some cabbage art. Um, but it's basically just a, a story of, um, of Warlock freaking out and, and running around the campus and they all go after him. So it's got the all the old team together. It's kind of cool little go back to like New Mutants number 25 or whatever, you know, sure. kind of thing. So that was kind of cool. Um, but then the the new New Mutants, so I thought it was going to be written by like Hickman, which apparently I missed issue three. I have oh. one, two, then I go to four. But it's really not it's really not as big of a deal as I thought it was because what they did with this what they did with this book is they start out and Hickman wrote like the first two issues and they they focused on like the the old new mutants team and then issue three and four then they went to Brisson who was the writer and they went into like the new X-Men like the new kid x-men people like yeah. it's a whole different story with a different set of like new mutants and then they would do that story for like two issues and then they would go back and hickman would write like two stories that went back to his story and then they would flash back and do two issues of the other story um so the main story is like sunspot rain which i guess rain died because like in the very first issue like they bring rain back to life because now they're all downloaded and they can bring them back which is really weird because when you get into like the second arc it deals with um beak um you remember beak from like the yep, grant morrison yep. and angel that girl that lady that he married uh -huh. and they had a bunch of like kids that were like beaks and wings yeah. and stuff and they go but and so then they ended up so this is the other story so they had gone off and moved to like lived in nebraska well there was this um there was this uh like a drug drug cartel from like some made-up country in central america and they were they found out that beak was there and they were mutants and so they went to this farm town and they like took the family hostage and they were wanting the the uh drugs from the mutants because they have those three drugs mm -hmm. or whatever and so they only give them to like countries that that, that recognize them well this is drug they wanted the drugs well shit went bad and beak ends up getting shot yeah and like oh my god we gotta rush him to the hospital like he's gonna die and i'm like can't they just download him into a new body like why i thought that was the whole point like that was the thing that really irritated me about hickman's new x-men it's like there's no death anymore yeah like 
who gives a shit? Like, you just go in, you're all Wolverine now. Like, you take a shitload of damage, and then they just download you, upload you into or the virus. Right, exactly. So it was weird because I'm sitting there reading that, and they're like, oh my God, we got to save, we got to get him to the hospital, or he's going to die. And I'm like, who cares if he dies? <laughs> but anyway, did you figure it out? Why they care? No. Oh, okay. No, because they end up moving them back to Krakoa. They move them back to Krakoa, and they're li they're living there, and he's laying in bed with, like, his arm in a bandage, and they're like, oh, I'm going to make it. And they're like, oh, thank God you're going to make it. <laughs> Maybe he never been downloaded. Maybe not. I don't know. So he wasn't living there. I, I guess it's possible, but I thought Professor X had every mutant. Because he brought back, like, all the six million mutants that, like, died in Genosha or whatever. Oh. At least that was my understanding. It's called Genosha. Yeah, it's called Genosha. No. Is is Genosha Genosha? Is it a hard G or a soft I G? call it a hard G, but really, that's me. I wow! Was, I was pronouncing. It it's like for years, my head has been Genosha, and then you're like <laughs> Genosha. I'm like, what? Say that again. I don't know. Isn't that where like the six died, like sure. with New X Men? Sure. Am I getting it right? I don't know. Then oh. Scarlet Witch wiped me out with no more mutants. Right. I can't keep track. I don't mutants have been eliminated yeah. many times. So, it's a freaking holocaust every 15 years. Right. So <laughs> Hickman just waves his hand. The, no more holocaust. The main story is the one that I was really digging. Hickman <laughs> and and uh, Reese. Well, I guess Brisson was writing it with him, but um, I drawing <laughs> it. But. So this one revolves around, so I guess Sam Cannonball, he's like living on Shi'ar because he's dating or married Lila to, Chang? and they have, no, damn it, they have a kid. I just wanted him to hook up with Lila. Yeah. Get married. He's married or whatever and has a kid with a lady who's a member of, is it the Imperial Guard? Is that the Shi'ar people? Yeah. Okay. So like he's married to her and they live on, on Shi'ar. And so yeah. um, they're going to go and they want to go visit Sam or whatever. And so they all get on like a, the Star Jammers, like. That's say, called Shire. I'm just kidding. <laughs> How do you pronounce Star Jammers? Just like that. Okay. So the Star Jammers are like, yeah, we're going that way. Hop on, we'll give you a ride there. And so they go, they're messing with them. And so like, they actually take a beer. They're like, oh, we got to go over here. And they go over and they like take over, like they'd like do a pirate maneuver or whatever like in the middle of taking them or like ah we were just fucking with you we were just going here or whatever so anyway they end up finding their way to Shi'ar um and then uh i thought i had this down enough to where i could just talk about it but apparently not apparently not, apparently not. <laughs> they go i did take I, it out. it's the it's the live feed it just right. makes your and, brain uh, go to mush so anyway, I don't remember exactly how everything went, but they get to Shi'ar, and then, um, so there's uh, the big guy, what's his name, the, the dude with the mohawk that, like, took over when... Um, Gladiator. Gladiator. So he's, like, running it, but there's, like, another, um, I don't know if it's his kid or whatever, but there's, like, this girl, and she's probably, like, in her 10 or 11 or whatever, and she's, like, the next successor to the throne, and... Um, but she's whatever race Deathbird is. Okay. And so they want her to be trained in the ways of that people. So they're like, well, we got to bring Deathbird back here so that she can kind of be her whatever, like vizier or whatever to the throne, just kind of like help her out stuff and teach her the ways. And so 
they go off on a mission to go get Deathbird, and then a bunch of shit happens, and then oh, that's what happens. So like the one of the people <laughs> that are right under, um, what'd you say his name was? Gladiator. Gladiator. She's like double crossing. She doesn't want Deathbird to come because the Nerami, I think, is what they are or something. Sure. They they don't like those people, so she sets them up to where they're gonna. She sends a team out to kill Deathbird and that spaceship. Well, of course, they follow the plan, find out that there was a double cross. They finally get Deathbird to the home world, Shiar home world, and then um, they get into a fight. And then find out, and then they make happy, and Deathbird's gonna help out, whatever. Um, Never realized the share were different races within their empire. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. So apparently, Nirani is like the ruling royal. Yeah, there's like, yeah, there's something. Hmm. I don't remember. I'm not up because well, Lander and Deathbird were sisters. They were kind of bird-like, right? Yeah. But then Gladiator looks like just humanoid, and yeah, with no bird stuff. So. Right. But so basically, what they're I wanted like a mini series about the Shi'ar about how their like society is structured. Cool, I'd be down with that. Yeah, I'm sure you would. Maybe Chris Carter would to write it. He could probably write it. There you go. But so basically, what they're doing is with this book is so they were setting up the New Mutants team and then the new New Mutants team, and then they all kind of live on Krakoa, and then they when they go on other, uh, other missions, they kind of splinter off and they'll take like. A couple of these people with this team and a couple of these people with this team so it's not really like the old new mutants it's like new, the old new mutants mixing with like some of the new new mutants and then mix them together and then there was so like the last issue that i read one of the teams they kind of get amalgamated and they go off because there's like this new mutant that that's like freaking out in russia somewhere and so they have to go and try to bring that mutant in and she's got some kind of weird powers where, like, if she touches them, they, like, like, uh, Zion, McCoy, uh, Karma, like, she tries to take over her mind to calm her down, and she transports her I into, like... I Ixian. Ixian? Yeah. Okay, yeah. No, it's Zion. I'm pretty sure it's Zion. All right. But Rain anyway... or Rainy? Uh, it's a Rain. That's right. You got that one. <laughs> so, anyway... Nice. They... they some of the team gets captured and they call back to um the new mutants and they're like we need backup or we need help well they go and um who is it who's wild side do you remember who the hell he's a team member of in Youngblood. no <laughs> da, 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 da. um his brigade man his yeah brigade. The, M, the mutant brigade. liberation front strike yeah he's part of the mls the, the, <laughs> the mutant liberation fright wild Front, wild side. Yeah. So Rob Lifeo created them. They go to create thousand other characters. I know. I think Louis Simonson created them too. So these guys are living on Krakoa. It's got like uh, that dude with the four arms. Yep, the little forearm dude. Right. And so Doug Ram, I think it's Doug Ramsey. He goes, he goes to like try to recruit their help. Well, they're like the shit ass mutants because they he's got like a couch out in front of his yeah. house and he's just hanging out drinking like 40. Well, they're like the mutant liberation front, but the mutants are liberated, they got nothing left to do. So they're just like in living in the shithole. I mean, what's a mutant liberation front? Right now? He goes, in, white. Doug, Doug Ramsey goes in to try to recruit Wildside for somehow. Oh, he sure needs Wildside's help, and it's just it's funny because they're like living on Krakoa, but they're like 
living you know, in the, wild, they're living in the slums. You know, Wild Child was a mutant too. Maybe that was Wild Child. No, that's Wild Side. Oh, okay. But he looks a lot like Wild Child. It's just I funny. they get together, like, have, like, a party every day. It is Wild, wild Side. Wild Side. Wild but it's interesting because Wild Side's just sitting. Is he clipping he's, his nails? He's clipping his toenails yeah. with a pair of, like, scissors well, or, he's or got those clippers. Big, he's like, got some nasty, nasty toenails. Some nasty yellow toenails. I think so. On that board, on that yeah. coffee table. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's New Mutants. I'm done. Right. I'm out. I'm going to talk about... I started rereading Hunter Bullets. Yes. Ooh, I like that one. So when I read this originally, it was like as it, as the hardcovers came out. Rereading it, it's like I'm trying to like connect all the pieces that I'm sure I was missing the first time around. You didn't read this in single issues. No, I read it in hardcovers as they came out like every year. You haven't read this until like five years ago because this stuff was just recently collected. Yeah, I read it once it came out. Wow. Yeah, I'm was this serious? Didn't read the last, the end of it until probably about five years ago or so. What was the single issues of the series finished before they started coming out with these hardcovers? I don't think so. Huh? I don't know, dude. These are interesting questions. I don't have the answers to. All right, so it starts out I, with yeah. Disney. So when Disney. I first read about this series, they said, yeah, this guy gives this guy... Really, you're going to slurp your drink while I'm trying to do my review? <laughs> Sorry. All right, so when I first read about this series, it was like, oh, this guy gives these people, like, 100 bullets, and they can go get revenge or whatever. It seemed like a kind of, you know, one just a crime one-off type thing. But, you know, as you're reading it, you're quickly realizing there's, like, a bigger story, right? Right. Well, now that I know there's a bigger story, and I'm starting to beginning, it's much more interesting. I see all the like little hints and some yeah. text and stuff, so much more helpful. Have you ever reread this from the beginning, or you just read it as it came out? I've reread it a couple times because okay. I read it as it came out, and then you reread it. And then, like when I got to issue fifty, I was like, I have no idea what the hell's going on. So right. I drug out fifty mm -hmm. single issues yeah. and pulled them out of the bags and the boards and read up to like fifty. See, my I'm, strategy is I get to issue 50, I don't know what's going on, I just keep powering through, and then at some point later on, I'll go and I'll reread it. So that's what I'm doing now. So, so I've probably it's all come together. I've probably read this all together twice. Cool. But I still have no idea exactly what's going on. Like, I remember bits and pieces of it. Sure. Well, anyway, the first character is Dizzy, and she I just got out of her. jail, and she gets 100 bullets to get revenge. Find out who killed her son or her daughter and her husband while she was in jail. Turns out it's her brother and a couple dirty cops. So she gets revenge on them. And then, as I remembered, she basically so Agent Graves is a guy who's going around giving the hundred bullets. Right. Well, there were a group called the Minutemen, mm -hmm. and there was some kind of you know big powerful group of rich people that they were like the henchmen for. Like there's like thirteen of them, right? Thirteen, yeah, the thirteen or something. But they haven't got into that yet. I'm All just. Right, sure. But uh, anyway, so, but yeah, it's basically, um, but I guess something happened and they're starting to hint at it. I'm, I'm about issue 10. They're starting to hint. Something happened. The Minutemen got wiped out, pissed off the 12, 13 or whatever. And then, uh, so he's recruiting new Minutemen. And Dizzy is like, his like test to recruit them is he gives them 100 bolts and sees what they do with them. Right. See if they have the balls to carry through or whatever. Blah, blah, blah. And That's so really the first story is Dizzy. bullets are, are a test. Yeah. Yeah. And so Dizzy, she has the ball. She carries through. He recruits her. The second story is about this guy who kind of loses his nerve halfway through and gets kind of distracted and doesn't carry through. And he gets a bolt in the head. 
by whoever he's trying to, it's one of the 12, 13 that he's messing with or whatever. And then we do another, there's a couple more stories. So I don't know how many of these stories are important and how many aren't, <laughs> right? Because like, then there's like a one-off story about like, well, then Lano shows up in one of them or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, he's one of the old Minutemen. And then there's a story about just this lady who like her finds out her husband was abusing her daughter and she like shoots him or whatever, you know, but it's like a one issue thing. It's like, is that shit coming back later? I don't know. Or is that just a one and done or whatever? Right. And then they do like a story about another guy gives him the hundred bullets, you know, well, it turns out he was a Minuteman, but he was somehow like brainwashed to forget it. Like they somehow brainwashed him. And then he hears like a code word. He goes all like, you know, super, super spy on everybody and blows his bunch of people. Yeah, it's like Croatoa is like the magic word. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that, that guy's oh, yeah. name is Cole. So Cole. he's one of the old guys, right. but he's been reactivated, sort of, right? And so that's kind of where I'm at. And, you know, they're just kind of laying the groundwork and kind of recruiting and yeah. some of the establishing some of the old characters, establishing some of the new characters. It's just, just kind of putting the pieces out there. But yeah, no, it's super, super cool. It's funny because I love uh, Eduardo Risso's artwork. Oh, yeah. But his early stuff is not as strong as I remember. Right. Like, he's gotten a lot better. It's yeah. like his, his old stuff isn't bad. It's just you can tell that he was still developing. Right. So uh, it's pretty cool. I can't wait till we get to the later stuff because I know his artwork just gets crazy insane. Because, like, he's doing that book Moonshine, you know, and that book, mm -hmm. it just looks so much better than these early. Well, it's weird too. Like I'm gonna so like Todd McFarlane, you know he's he's doing a little bit of artwork because I got yeah. cut up on Spawn. I didn't review him, but he does some of the does a little bit of the artwork. Yeah, his artwork has changed a lot. Changed a lot. Well, he's all digital. Now, he's too. all digital now, and I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I'm but sure I mean, some of it. I'm sure it has some of it, but I mean, he didn't do anything for twenty fucking years. I'm sure he was drawing. Well, maybe Just a little bit here and there, out, yeah. right? But his his styles change a lot, and we've seen that too, even with like you know, like Frank Miller. Oh, like, don't even get me started. Yeah, so I mean, but I the the point is like I don't even I don't like like Todd McFarlane's art now. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, part of it's your taste has changed. Well, that is too. And part but, of that his style has changed as well. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, if he was to go and draw like a monthly book, I'm not sure. That yeah, exactly. Really? Wow. Not the way he does it now. I mean, I don't know. I it mean, seems like he's not as messy as he used to be. Yeah. It's a little cleaner. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's cool. Um, how many is it? How many books five are those? Because this one is like 19 issues. I'm only like yeah. halfway through it. I know I have. I have them all. Yeah. Because I double dipped on all that. But sure. I don't even think I pulled them out of the shrink wrap. Shrink wrap. Mm -hmm. Because eventually I'll sit down and do a reread. But. I got a lot going on. I actually also read, um, I finished up volume two of that uh, Crisis. Oh, but sorry. I didn't want to thank you bother you guys that. with it. So. I really do. But I am making progress on it. And I will say, like, on towards the end of the second book, um, I think it's Denny O'Neill. I think Denny O'Neill starts writing it. The stories get a little bit better. They're not like cookie Denny crazy, but cool. the, the stories actually got a little bit better. You claim the old ones are fine. Well, they are, but they are of an older time. You can kind of see where they kind of transition a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cool. All right. You got any other parting thoughts, Scott? It's getting kind of late. It is. Probably. Yeah, it is. Well, one quick thing on that Marvel 616. Um, 
the other episodes that were on there was one about cosplay type stuff. I mean, it's nothing real huge there. Another one about toys in the Marvel universe type stuff and kind of talks a little bit about Funko and toy biz, you know, and things. Uh, not a whole lot of history there, but maybe something, you know, that you could gleam out of it. Uh, the other thing, though, that was kind of good is the last one. It talks about Marvel and uh, working with stage plays for like high schools. And that's kind of, I mean, I you might like it a little bit there, Drew, just because of the fact of Emma, you know, and things. But the yeah. fact that Marvel actually has, you know, some stage play type things, screen screenplays already preset for high schools for them to do their type of, uh, you know, these plays and things. And one was that they de they demo like two of them, like a squirrel girl and a, a Miss Marvel, you know, type things because of the fact that they're both, you know, you, younger female character type stuff um, that they've converted over to these plays, you know, and things. And it focuses on this one high school and some of the, the kids that go there and the fact that it is a little bit more of a, uh, what would you say, harder, you know, people that are probably raised in harder living conditions, you know, and things of this nature and how that um, expression, you know, can, can help them, you know, with either some confidence issues that they have or whatever else type stuff. So it's, it's more of a feel good type of story. But for me, I thought it was surprising because I didn't know Marvel actually had these things pre set, you know, for these schools, you know, and whatever else. I, I thought that was was really cool you know because it, it's sending a good message in, in a lot of ways to a lot of these kids especially the ones you know that are in kind of the the drama classes and whatnot a lot of times they're looking for you know either a lot of them are introverts or whatever else you know and trying to look for some other avenues to try to express themselves and here's you know marvel trying to to help that along which is kind of cool but but anyway, that kind of finishes off a lot of those. I liked it, but then again, like I said, it's uh, I, I tend to like the the documentary type stories in a lot of ways. I was going to mention this earlier. I'll make it quick, but you should check out the um, Todd McFarland. They did a documentary with Todd McFarland about Spawn Three Hundred. It's on Sci-Fi. I think you can watch oh, it on really? YouTube. I don't. I can't remember okay. where I watched it. It was like on YouTube, but check it out. It's like sci-fi, Todd McFarlane. It'll pop up, but it's a cool documentary. Cool. Um, learn a little bit of Todd McFarlane now, and it's basically like just a. It's kind of like they talk about the past and stuff, but it it's mainly about kind of like the road to three hundred. Like it's pretty much. Just, yeah, there's a sci-fi documentary about Todd yeah. McFarlane getting three hundred. Cool. Yeah. That's me. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out. All right. All right. Thanks you for a great Thanksgiving holiday. Tuning. You too. You too, man. Stay safe. Stay healthy. You too. All right. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Bye. Oh.